Mexican Goodfellas, The Simpsons hit 420. The X-Men continue while Iron Man concludes this week on 30-20-10. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, telling you what happened in the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago. A very interesting way to look through this sedimentary uh, look of our pop culture past across three decades from this very week, this very week being April 28th through May 4th. Um, we are looking at the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago from that week, but that means we'll be discovering in three segments, 1993, 2003, and 2013. I assure you, there's something you're going to laugh at, giggle at, remember fondly. Sit with us, will you? Open three portals. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm one of yours, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman and RIP Harry Belafonte. We lost the last good celebrity. Unbelievable. I mean, I was sort of shocked he wasn't dead already, but, uh... 96, Harry Belafonte, man. Dude, he was in Black Klansman. Yeah, yeah, he was in Black Klansman, and there is a cool documentary about him hosting The Tonight Show on Peacock, I believe, like a week of him hosting. It's really cool. Um, Yeah, and cool. the guess he had to struggle to pick that Johnny would probably never have on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Who else is with us? And I'm J.R. Rawls, and the third host of 302010 can never die. Only the actors who portray him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I understood that reference. (laughs) Sooner or later, you will, too. Welcome to the show. Uh, Once again, I got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. There is a a full-length commentary for one of the movies in uh, this week. Uh, available to patrons only at patreon.com slash laser time. You may have forgotten about it, but I think it's awesome. And we have plenty of other bonus shows coming there. Hopefully a new episode of Sick of Star Wars. Adam is right off of uh, uh, going to Disney World and I think feeling Star Wars pretty hard. Um, Hopefully a new episode coming soon. I want to get it together. Give us five bucks. Give you a bunch of bonus stuff. You'll help support the show, including... uh, uh, refreshes hosting, all the stuff that goes along with doing a podcast you tend not to think about. And this podcast is a lot of work. So once again, thanks to my co-host, I am stalling, waiting for JR to get back in his seat. <laughs> uh, hi, welcome to the show. Hey. Let's begin as we always do, April 28th through May 4th um, in uh, 1993, 30 years ago. Uh, the World Wide Web source code is released by Kern, CERN, making the first browser uh, and editor freely available to all. Tim Berners-Lee, and- you moron! What have you done to us? <laughs> Don't and almost 30 years later, he sold uh, the original source code as an NFT. No! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, make that money somehow. I yes, revolutionarily damn. changed the world. Gosh, I, I, I kind of wish I was a trillionaire. It seems naive, <laughs> but it's like that's where my faith in the internet used to come from. It was a freely accessible tool for everyone with that no one could shut down, that no one could stop. And it, it seems bizarre that anybody would ever foot that kind of technology nowadays. Somebody would own it lock, stock, and barrel and license it forever after. Yep. But it's, again, it's it's sort of a gift. Kind of. <laughs> open source software is a big deal. Yeah, it's, it is. It's real, there's a lot of open source software that actually runs the net we use today. And it's like you find out, oh, if uh, 
Bob in Wisconsin ever stops updating his uh, Gizmodo dock, uh, we'll lose the Eastern Seaboard. Keep keep plugging away, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks once again, Bob. Uh, also, thanks to uh, Cindy Crawford, people's most beautiful person, number one 30 years ago. And I had a poster on my wall to prove it, much to my grandmother's chagrin. Why do you put scantily clad girls on your wall? We didn't. Jimmy didn't have that when he was... Jimmy, it's pornographic. It's terrible. Get out of my room, Grandma. Uh, Cindy was Crawford. she wearing jeans? You just said I'm just a huge fan of designer denim. I think she had she. It was a one piece. It was a white one piece, and it was like crumpled because I had to like get it from a friend who threw it, whose parents threw it out of his house, and oh. her jeans were lowered. So I because I think right. she had some jeans deal that made a bunch oh, yeah. of these posters, but yeah. she was in a swimsuit for the most part, a one piece swimsuit. And mm. I'm as shocked as you are that did anything for me uh, 30 years ago. But again, the internet code just got released. <laughs> JR, you're muted. <laughs> Where else are you going to go? Paper. The internet had not been around. Yes. You, you <laughs> had to make do with the Sears catalog. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we did. Um, mm-hmm. And then moving forward into the movies of 1993, April 28th through May 4th, The Decent Proposal is still number one at the box office. Still. Still number one. I mean, there hasn't been a huge amount of uh, competition, and there still won't be this week. Next week, there'll be some decent competition, but still, fucking a decent proposal. For it's not that good, nineteen ninety three. Come isn't. on, come on, you here's, can do better. I believe in you. Here's the best contender for nineteen ninety three, right on, right up the top for a movie most people don't know anything about because mm-hmm. it's got too many titles and was shown in too many ways. Blood <laughs> in, blood out. Uh, Jesse Borrego, Benjamin Brad, Damian Chapa, Enrique Castillo, Delroy Lindo. Basically, every character actor you can imagine is in this movie as well. Dude, yeah. I looked at the, uh, and I was like, <laughs> looking at his in this, and I was like, it is a Hey, It's That Guy convention. Yeah. yeah. Billy Bob Thornton before he's famous, Danny Trejo, Ving Rames, bunch of wire cast <laughs> members. Uh, because Raymond I- Cruz. Biff Tannen. So, uh, yeah, a couple years ago, Sam and Matt from BGA bonded over our love for this film, which got replayed a lot on HBO. It had a very hard time coming out in the wake of the L.A. riots and some of the Mm. flack that Boys in the Hood received, whether or not, blah, blah, blah. Is this going to inspire more riots? It had the word blood in it. I think it was released... It was a staggered release under different titles. Bound by Honor, I think, is the theatrical title it's released under. It's also called Blood in, Blood Out, colon, Bound by Honor. It's also <laughs> has the distinction of the only thing I've ever seen on HBO released a lot in two separate parts. It's over three hours. And oh. it's it's in one the of its cuts. The uncut director's version is over three hours. There's a shorter version of this film. There, there's many shorter. In like, I won't, I won't say it's the perfect film, but it reminds me of uh, oh, what Once Upon a Time in America is that the the Leon yeah. movie? Like, yeah, that's it, like five hours long. Yeah, <laughs> it has a bunch of cuts. It's kind of riveting. Goes through decades. It's a prison movie. It's a slice of life movie. It's a coming of age movie. It's a hood movie. It's a reformed gangster movie. It's it's a lot. Do you know the original runtime of this film before it was released in theaters? Like when they were doing the editing, they finished the film, and this is our rough cut. Guess how long that was? How long? Three hundred and thirty minutes. Jeez, <gasps> I mean, like it. it so it, that 
that's what like six something hours <laughs> in, in some areas in some ways i think it deserves to be re-released with every single bit of footage as a streaming series because it would be thoroughly compelling it's mm. it in hindsight it seems cliched but like not a lot of those cliches were codified yet and i don't well, know that we ha- we had american me. i watched this for the first time mm-hmm. and i'm gonna say this is the most violent telenovela i have ever seen in my life <laughs> yes indeed because <laughs> this is a telenovela i mean there is a scene when he's on the hospital bed and he gives one of the quickly look to the left things that you see in <laughs> telenovelas and there is so much over dramatic acting in this film and i have no nostalgia for it and i fell in love once i accepted <laughs> that this is going to be a goofy ride so hell yeah dramatic i'm, I'm I'm on the train. And uh, it's hard for me to prove as a, a white guy, but I think this made waves in the uh, Latin Chicano Vatos Locos community. Yeah. Literally the only people I know who have seen this movie were my Latino friends as kids. Yeah. They were like, this is my favorite movie. And I'm like, I have never heard of that movie. It, is it in English? I'm like, of course it's in English. Partially, what are you talking yes. about? Like, and, and, While and researching it, Damien Chapa in particular, this has defined his career. The including yeah. just making American Gangsters movie, including the American or the uh, Mexican Gangster Saga, which is a franchise that he's involved with. He's made numerous movies that I believe don't have the rights to be called a sequel to this movie, but imply <laughs> that they are, including Vatos Locos, the name of the gang in the movie. Uh, nice. Look at his IMDb; it's crazy. It's, it's like the last fifteen years the cult fandom of this movie caught up to him and redefined his career. He's part Mexican, Native American, white, so he's kind of the perfect cast member for this guy who gets foisted from his white suburban lifestyle into the Chicano upbringing of central, uh, South Central LA. But it's I, I think it's a great little tale. I love it. I loved it too. Again, no nostalgia for it. Um, I've mentioned before growing up, it's hard to have someone more removed from the black community than 14 year old Jr. Mm-hmm. But 14 year old Jr. saw so many, you know, defend the hood movies, you know, mm. that, that was on regular rotation. I haven't seen, I think any defend the barrio films before yeah. this, you know, I mean, there was, there was American me and this was supposed to be an Edward James almost vehicle, including like giving him the opportunity to, to direct and he turned it down. Huh. Uh, it was directed by the guy who made Officer and a Gentleman, which... <laughs> okay, I have to talk about Taylor Hackford, mm-hmm. or how most of us call him Mr. Helen Mirren, has one of the craziest resumes ever. He makes movies of zero subtlety whatsoever, and I kind of love that for him. <laughs> an Officer and a Gentleman, um, Proof of Life, The Devil's Advocate, yeah. <laughs> yes. And also Ray. Just Ray's just thrown in there, just for funsies. Again, yeah. no subtlety. And, and this film is not protected. I, I have watched it several times on YouTube. It is there with a, I think, fan 4K remaster in its entirety with optional subtitles on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. It, it's wow. I love I love this film. And we we were always tickled when it came on HBO. Angry when they would play it in parts part one and part two. I think even with The Godfather, HBO didn't do that. Uh, I, I think they might have early on, but like they mostly didn't split up movies, but this is a long one. It mm-hmm. so wanted to be the godfather mm-hmm. of Chicano crime, though. I mean, there's that scene when they're 
taking out all their rivals. Yeah. And I really think they were aping the scene of Godfather one. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it was a box office bomb that I think slowly made its way through culture. And you probably know someone who loves this movie. Cause I'm one of them. Maddie from VGA was one of them. And uh, I'm glad it's, I'm glad we get to talk about it. Cause it New was convert for me. This is a big recommend. If you're in the right mindset, if you're expecting, right. you know, uh, High prestige drama from 2023. No, if you, if you want, want cheesy melodramatic oh, 1993, all of the acting, you, all of the acting, <laughs> a lot of people beating on their chest. I'm right here, man. I'm right here. Like a bunch of that stuff. <laughs> Every actor in this film gained five pounds because they chewed that much scenery. It's, <laughs> I love this movie. And I'm glad we got to talk about it and celebrate it because yeah. it, it deserves it. And it's, it's referenced in a lot of rap songs, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of hip hop. And yeah, it, it deserves some credit. And it's, it's, I know it is blood in, blood out, bound by honor, but you might know it by something else. But it's wonderful. Vatos Locos Forever. Um, <laughs> also out this week, a movie I did not see, um, but I saw... <laughs> No, we're all just shaking our heads like, no. I, no. I saw this cover everywhere in video stores and like, man, I hope I never have to see that. Rick Moranis is a baby. John Cleese, Catherine zeta Jones, <laughs> Barbara Hershey, Rick Moranis, and Eric Idle in Splitting Hairs. Airs. My... Airs. Yes. Yeah. I liked it when it was called Kind Hearts and Coronets and it Alec Guinness in it. Ooh. And they, they dropped the N-word like a hundred times. It's very upsetting for an old movie. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so splitting airs, Rick Moranis turns out to be like the uh, the the next in line for some like fancy title in Britain. But Eric Idle was like given up as a baby, but he's probably the rightful heir. And he was raised by a nice Indian family and he didn't understand that he wasn't Indian. And then he befriends Rick Moranis, <laughs> but also might want to try to kill him to get him out of the way. Um, not a lot of people have much nice to say about this. And watching bad comedy is so fucking painful. There's a reason all of us just went, uh, well, I don't want to. And looking into it, you know, it's King Ralphie, but it yeah. is also written from an English perspective. And mm. that's not necessarily going to translate to us finding it yeah. very funny and definitely everything not people I, finding it funny now. Yeah. Everything I read said it wasn't funny in 1993. It wasn't funny in England. So there's no way I'm going to watch it now. I mean... Mm. You can get enjoyment from a bad action film. You can get enjoyment from a bad drama film. Bad comedy is just bad, bad. But, it's not, but for, uh, you know, I wasn't there I, yet, but for Monty Python fans, it's mm-hmm. not hot on the heels of Fish Called Wanda, but it's Eric Idle trying to make a movie with, you know, a couple of his Monty Python cast members. And th- as a... I'm a sketch comedy nerd. That would have appealed to me. And I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. the movie has its fans out there, but no, I don't know any of them. Yep. I I couldn't find it. And also I didn't want to, because it's like, I don't want to run an ad for this. Cause we're not going to talk about it that long, but the ad that I remembered and was having trouble finding ends with John Cleese saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Eric Idle. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they, they know their audience. Yeah. It should be me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Can you think of a single bad comedy that is fun to watch for like a bad movie night? Single bad uh, comedy? You no, know, that's the thing. Yeah, bad fucking comedy. bad comedy. Boat trip, man. Boat trip. Oh, will have you like that? Wouldn't be fun. I don't. No, I, I disagree. No. I disagree with. I, I, I no, can... you have to hand out towels. Most people's brains come out their ears. It's 
It's oh. But again, I, I said for that movie, it, it feels far enough away from hurting. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> it's 20 years removed from being part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, if you're saying... It sensitive. was never part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Oh. yeah. All right, all right. We can move on to our final film. Another one I've never heard of. Kelly Lynch, Sherilyn uh, Fenn, Billy Baldwin in Three of Hearts. Sweet. Joe goes to work. So did you find her? Right on the schedule. I don't know anything about you. You cook like a chef. You look like a movie star or something. I'm a male escort and somebody hired me to show you a good time. (laughs) She ate it up. Things get complicated. I just want to tell you, I think you you got a lot. What is this song? I forgot what it is. Uh, Oh, it's digging a hole. So I I was never good at picking up women in my single days. But... I'm glad I never tried the line. I'm a male escort and someone <laughs> hired me to show you a good time. Diana, would that have gone over good or really bad? Because I think I know. Um, I mean, I have follow-up questions. Uh, <laughs> nope, no ifs, ands, or buts. You're spending a night with Fred Garvin, male prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot of follow-up questions, like... Well, I, first I want to confirm this story. Who is buying me male <laughs> prostitutes? Happy birthday! Oh, mom! Happy birthday! <laughs> I'm tricking no, you into you a see, scandal. This, this For 1993, this was a scandal because Sherilyn Fenn plays a bisexual <gasps> and Kelly Lynch plays a gay lady and they're together and Sherilyn Fenn dumps her and so Kelly Lynch gets her friend male prostitute William Baldwin to seduce Cheryl and Fenn and be horrible to her so that she's turned off men forever and will come back to Kelly Lynch. Uh, okay. No flaws in this plan whatsoever. Not no, not no. a flaw. All right. If you were to hire one of the Baldwins to be a male prostitute, which one would be the best? Uh, I I mean I don't know. Billy's William. Yeah. The, the dumbest looking like he, <laughs> he does. Mm. I don't know. I can't see Alec doing it. Uh, he seems no. too well fed. Uh, he mm. shouldn't have to. Billy Baldwin deserves it. God, he looks yeah. stupid. His stupid face just looks so dumb in this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then obviously they start having feelings for each other and oh, the complications. But yeah, so this was considered, oh, for 1993, the idea of having like gay characters being gay characters and their lives aren't tragic this is actually pretty forward thinking for this Mm. i'll I'll give him that one and that it's you know a rom-com but it has gay people in it and it's fine with no she's just gay whatever the thing i like about this is finding out that it is co-written by kelly lynch's husband mitch glazer who is the guy that bill murray is good friends with bill murray and bill murray calls him every time that he sees roadhouses on tv to tell him hey patrick swayze is nailing your wife on tv right now Hell yeah. Uh, so, ah, that's nice that they're still together. Good for them. Good for them. Three yeah, of hearts. Yeah, three of hearts. Shrug. 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 It seems more, like... It's kind of like more interesting than it is watchable. Mm. Foot no For 1993, big deal. This is like, wow. Right. And, 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 and... these Gen Xers, they, they have identities I wanted... and sometimes sex and things. I wanted to highlight how different... 1993 was uh, 30 years ago, and in, in t- right off the bat in television, because I looked at what was number one in the ratings this week, mm-hmm. a showing of fried green tomatoes on network television. 
a huh. pretty old movie, and it's like you know you do still you get a lot of movies run over the air, but it is literally done as like filler, not the idea of this is going to capture the most audience ever, and the entire country tuned in for the national television broadcast of Fried Green Tomatoes. What the hell? Well, it's a good film, and I can definitely see families being like, well, what should we watch this night? Hey, Aunt Bertha really loved Fried Green Tomatoes. Let's give that a shot. Your only options are are theaters, HBO, and video rentals, and there were a lot of people who didn't hit all those. So Yeah, it it came out a year and a half ago, so it's probably been on tape for nine, ten months or so. Yeah. I finally get around to it. It just seems nuts to me. Like the, it, it's so much higher than Cheers and Seinfeld. It's it's like distance, <laughs> wow. second and thirds. Uh, Fried green and tomatoes. We're in the run up to the end of Cheers, so all yep. those episodes are really they're trying to hit the high. Notes. And you can see NBC very happy that like Seinfeld is closing in on Cheers finally after yeah. like three years of being kind of a ratings dud. Uh, Cheers is about to go away, and Seinfeld is going to be fine to replace it. Uh, yep. Also out this week, Murder in the Heartland with Tim Roth and Feruza Bulk. They're not the same yeah. age. What's going on? I think you'd not be surprised that Murder in the Heartland, that title's been used for a couple different things. It's usually but a to song. specify, this is a, a TV movie about Charles Starkweather, which is usually what the, huh? the song's about. Help, yep. help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Charles Starkweather had a huge influence on Stephen King. When Stephen King was growing up, he followed the Starkweather murders very closely and a couple of his characters are absolutely based on Charles Starkweather. Huh. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of, he's considered in some ways like an early serial killer or That's what um, I want to know. Like a Bonnie and Clyde type except that he was a lot older than his girlfriend and she was was probably just being dragged along. Yeah. Probably um, had her life. Please ruined. watch the movie's Badlands. Badlands is yeah. fucking amazing. It's based on Charles Starkweather too with the so- young Young Martin Sheen. <laughs> so you can also make a case Natural Born Killers was based on him. It, yeah, yeah. He appears in The Frighteners. Uh, huh. huh. Oh, yeah. As a real person? Yeah, a yeah he's a real person. Huh. Yeah. I haven't seen The Frighteners. Uh, other things I don't That's know good. this week. Uh, Northern Exposure episode, uh, Kaddish for my uncle, for Uncle Manny. Kaddish. 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 Cottish. Oh, yeah. I remember this one. I didn't put it in here, but I remember this one because uh, Dr. Joel's uncle passes away and he wants to say Cottish for him. But when you're Jewish and you want to say Cottish, you, you're supposed to have a minion, which is this little yellow guy yes! who wears overalls. <laughs> no, you're supposed to have 10, 10 people. And depending on how religious you are, that might be 10 Jews or it might be 10 bar mitzvah men. What? But you're supposed you're supposed to get 10 people together to say certain prayers and he's in bumfuck Alaska and that's kind of hard. Mm. So all his friends get together and try to round up as many Jews as possible for him. <laughs> hey, come on. We're rounding up usually... the Jews. There's no time to explain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually that's not a good thing. But in this case, their hearts were in the right place. Right. Right. They're putting right. up signs. I'm like, yeah. are you Jewish? Please call this number. <laughs> It's pretty cute. It's cute. Uh, there's a lovely side plot that I really liked. Uh, Chris and his half-black, half-brother oh. are preparing to fight these distant 
relatives from West Virginia who have been having a feud for 150 years. And Chris and Bernard, Chris has been in lots of fights. Bernard has never been in a fight in his entire life. And all throughout the episode, the guys from West Virginia are tired. They want to get a rest before they start the fist fight. And then by the end of it, they grow to like him. Then they're going like, you know, this feud is stupid. We're not going to do it. Let's end it. And Bernard is a little disappointed because he's <laughs> never been in a fist fight in his life. And he kind of wanted to see what would happen. And I get that feeling. Mm. Especially yeah. if it's for a blood feud, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's at least get one shot in. Come on. Uh, and then we got to move on to the blinds. Uh, Flying Blind ends on uh, Fox after one season. I do not remember us talking about this if we did. I believe we did when it started. Yeah. And we were like, oh, Jesus, what the hell is this? And then Blind Spot, a TV movie with Joanne Woodward and Laura Linney, uh, debuts this week as well. Yeah, I found this interesting. It's a Hallmark Hall of Fame television movie about a, I think she's a senator and her daughter and son-in-law get in a horrible car accident it turns out he was addicted to drugs and then it turns out oh they're both addicted to drugs oh no <laughs> but i i found this very interesting because it's the only time joanne woodward and laura linney work together and laura linney has said uh, about a thousand times that she just wants to grow up to be joanne woodward <laughs> that that's been her thing this whole time she's just trying to be her so it was nice to see. Oh, and then they played mother and daughter. That's yeah. so sweet. And that didn't change after working with her, apparently. So good. No, it was like, well, I wanted to be Joanne Woodward, but God damn, that bitch is crazy. As as for the show I was watching this week, this Simpsons fourth twentieth episode of the fourth season. It's episode four twenty, and they don't care. Uh, it's <laughs> celebrating a different holiday, Whacking Day. Whacking Day. Hey. Based on real things. Yeah. Okay. What? There. No. They, there no. is. There Leave was all a the snakes alone. Barry White said so. <laughs> but there was a recent holiday in New Zealand that had to get canceled because mm -hmm. it was have all the children kill all the wild cats day. Oh, uh... I read one about about toads, but I believe Groundhog Day originates as like. Yeah, we kill the fucking groundhogs. That's what we do. And uh, well, yeah, you used to boil him and eat him. Yeah, but now you're all a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> but it's true. That's what the roots of it are in. It, there, there's. I mean, I, I don't know that it was a holiday, but I remember my grandparents lived on an island, and every year it's like everyone leave. We got to shoot the deer. The deer have over population is overgrown. It wasn't a holiday, but it, it was close. Like, if, if you were somehow in your house, there'd just be people walking the streets with shotguns, murdering deer. And it, 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 I'm sure these were all over the country, because, like, how else do you get rid of pests? And Yep, because you know. we're such good caretakers of the ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely did not cause whatever this disaster is by either introducing a species that shouldn't be here or killing all its predators. No, 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 Google rabbit-proof fence. But it's it's God, <laughs> but, it's goddamn whacking day, and one it's the uh, uh, I believe the the, the on screen debut of Super Super Nintendo Chalmers. It is, and it is what? his very first appearance. Yeah. I don't even think he says Skinner, but no, I love the he's idea not there that, yet that Barry White was interested in being on The Simpsons. That's how this happened, and I think they cast him in a great way as the guy yeah. whose base lures the snakes. <laughs> into a safe hidey hole. Uh, we have a clip here, don't we? Yes. 
Well, Marge, should I whack slow or fast? Slow, then fast. <laughs> that, I'll never get over that early learning how Marge likes it. But it's also like, it's also sage advice just in general. It's like, not bad <laughs> advice, folks. It's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Uh, always start with, with what Marge likes. How did they sneak that on fucking television? <laughs> Holy shit. Well, the Simpsons was so risque for 1993. I mean, this is the show that got the president to call it out. So that's how they got it passed. But this is another season four classic. This is where we get, I am evil, Homer. I am evil, Homer. I, I think Matt Draining said that's one of his favorite things ever. Loves evil Homer. Says it in the commentary. Uh, yeah, great episode, Whacking Day. Yeah. I mean, the, the fourth season <laughs> might be the best of the Simpsons. It won an award for the Humane Society for consciousness raising on behalf of animal issues. <laughs> hey, everyone, let's maybe not have a town holiday where we beat snakes to death in I, public. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, you know, I'm from like the metropolitan South. Yeah, I can totally see this these barbaric holidays being a thing 30 years ago. Absolutely. <laughs> Judged by a panel of hillbillies to be uh, barbaric and crude. Yeah, I, 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 my, yeah, my, uh, never mind. Well, my, my dad would regulate like hunting and stuff. That was sort of his gig. And it's just like, oh, too many alligators. Looks like we got to open up alligator season. And then like the whole state, whoa, boy, I get to shoot gators and not get in trouble. There's a ton of this stuff going around. It's just now a little more regulated. Uh, Simpsons whacking why day. Can't, why can't we go back to the way it was supposed to be, where we'd whack the Irish? There you go. It was all in good fun. <laughs> uh, moving into video games, and I really want to talk about one of these very badly. Um, let's get these PC things out of the way. The Legend of Oh God, Cronadia, Cronadia. Sure, sure. Let's go with fate. that. Don't know. Uh, I never India? played this series. It's a fairly standard, fairly generic fantasy world, point-and-click adventure, except you play as a woman? <gasps> a woman sorceress. How am I supposed to focus walking, watching you walk like that? Uh, the Seventh Guest, which I know is beloved by certain people, but I really they just... They have played it in the last 20 years. Played it at okay. a friend's house because, like, <laughs> is there porn in here? There might be. Uh, I, I want to see some uh, some FMV acting here, and... Oh boy, does the seven guests have it. Oh no. And, and what is what is it that you want? Oh, not much. Just, I've been a stage magician all my life. I want to know, is there real magic? Does stuff know that? Can stuff give that to me? I want to say you can do multiple takes, but they kind of couldn't, <laughs> considering they both had to be on screen in this weird holographic FMV technology. Uh, yeah, it's not great, yeah. but I think it's been redone a bunch of times. Seventh guest. This was a tech demo. It was meant to yeah. show the amazing abilities of a CD-ROM, and that worked. This was one of those games that people bought a CD-ROM for just because it was so powerful and so new to have this technology. To give you an idea of how big this is, Nintendo bought the CD rights to this game despite not having a CD console <laughs> solely so the Sega CD would not get it. Wow. Ooh, that's mean. Wow. Hey, they play with power. 
then, um, yeah, a, a bizarre ass game. Cotton, cotton. Yeah, this is considered the first shoot 'em up game. You know, shoot 'em up games. You're driving a tank. You're driving a a Big Mac, a fighter jet, whatever. In this one, you're a cute lizard, little witch. You're mm-hmm. flying around shooting cute other things, and uh, a rare Turbo Graphics 16 game to be noticeable. Yeah, I think <laughs> originally a Sega arcade game, but the big arcade thing that's happening this week is NBA Jam. I think once a year oh, in my boy. life, there were genuine video game phenomenons that the rest of the world had to acknowledge. And for 1993, NBA Jam was the one. It was Mortal Kombat last year. Oh, NBA Jam. Holy shit. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. That originates in NBA Jam. Does it I do? didn't know that. That's, w- that's what the articles all say. I because I, art- I, I feel like it's based on Dick Vitale. Yeah, baby. And he would say things like that. But uh... Uh, It's based on Sly and the Family Stones. I want to take you higher, where they say, uh, boo, laka, laka, laka. And John Carlton, the Midway developer, misquoted that and put in <laughs> boom, shakalaka. And I don't know. I've heard boom, shakalaka a lot of, of places. Maybe it's just because my reference group all grew up on NBA Jam because it was huge in arcades. We Absolutely. were like sharing secrets, big head mode. Tank mode, unlocking players. <laughs> I don't watch All a lot of basketball, but I can't. I can't see a dunk and not think at least think boom shakalaka because, but because I think that's a super important thing to remember. Like there were a ton of sports games in arcades on home consoles, but they weren't very big and they weren't very licensed. And mm. this changed all of that because the NBA got involved. I saw they had to give the NBA a hundred dollars per cabinet sold. And I think, oh my God. well, I mean, the cabinets were thousands of dollars, so it's not that huge yep. an ask. And, and if you remember the two players who aren't in NBA jam are Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan, because EA said, we're not going to waste these guys on a sports games. That's, that's limited. They were in, hmm. Michael Jordan was in a side scroller and Shaq was in a fighting game. That's what they used them for because <laughs> sports games weren't huge. This totally changed that for arcades and home consoles. And I think made NBA licenses I, I think it caught on with the mainstream in such a way it was unignorable because where we stand today, like one company tends to lock down the entirety of the player or NBA license. Can, can I have, I have a, a vague recollection. I want someone to help me on this. Uh, if I'm right about this, my, my recall is that the NBA jam games are some of the first games where it's like, you are watching it on TV. There are commentators. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, for sure. I write on that. Right. It's like, the, the presentation, yeah, it's, the uh, uh, lower thirds, uh, the chyrons, they look, they tried their best to look exactly like what you would see on television. Uh, right. They, so I, they, I remember plenty of other games. They didn't have announcers. You just mm-hmm. played the football game and you just played the basketball game. But to have an in-game announcer so you feel like it's real yeah. in a weird way. Like, that's, that's freaking the, smart. They went all out. They uh, had cheerleaders. Uh, one of their cheerleaders went on to play Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. Right. And yeah. And if you look up a picture of that actress in the Mortal Kombat shoot and today, it is like Beautiful. the best case of maintaining your body over a 30 year period she I have ever looks seen. Amazing. It's just like, it's amazing. It's like, bravo, madame. You, you have. <laughs> 
kept it tight. I know well she done. Would, she, well wouldn't, done. she wouldn't waste her physical talents on a nerd like me, but can you imagine marrying Sonya Blade and 30 years later, she still looks like Sonya Blade? Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. But, but yeah, NBA Jam, I think we played some Tecmo Bowl, like double dribble was sort of the king of the basketball. But uh, Midway had made arch rivals and made kind of a big splash across multiple platforms. But NBA Jam, I find most intriguing because it doesn't really have a sequel. It just keeps no. going for years and years and years with tournaments. It changes its name, but the format stays. And I think up until that point, not only had arcades not received like major sports licensing, bringing in, let's be honest, a whole new group of players being able to play. Oh, I can play as John Stockton and Scottie Pippen. And, <laughs> but like bringing in gamers like me to make a more streamlined, focused, I, there should be a better name for it because this created a lot of midway uh, NHL and NFL games that tried to speed up these slow sports, which if you've been reading certain articles, baseball is currently really struggling with uh, trying to streamline sports for the masses. And NBA Jam did that just seemingly effortlessly. Three, two, three buttons, very easy to comprehend. It was a huge hit in arcades and for art. For us kids, it was an even bigger hit when it came home on numerous consoles and numerous iterations. But NBA Jam, man, I can't get enough of singing the praises of that. Good on you, Mark Tor Turmel. Our buddy Dan Amrick's a hidden character in one of them. Um, mm -hmm. NBA Jam, 30 years old, although you might have discovered it a few months later, given... I, I, just, I saw that it, it generated, as of a few years ago, $1.7 billion in quarters alone. <laughs> Not to mention Ooh. console ports and all that shit. It, it, $1.7 billion adjusted for 2016 inflation? Huge. It's one of the top five arcade generating revenue generators of all time, NBA. Generator. I'm not an arcade collector, but this yeah. is one that I'd love to have in my basement, you know, just to when you have people over, who wouldn't want to do well, it? I got to tell you, there's plenty NBA available Jam. arcade one ups, yeah. including the Shaq XL edition, which is. Kind of a consumer-friendly, less than $500, the height of a regular arcade game, easy to play, uh, multiple players can jump on. Yeah, a big multiplayer sports game, which I'm pretty shocked that we didn't really have a lot of those in gaming at all. Uh, Seems like a good fit. I they, don't know They were why. ubiquitous, but they weren't household names. Uh, there was just dozens of them, and now... I think NBA Jam started a different craze. We got to lock this shit down so no one else can make it. Anyway, moving on to 1993 in music, April uh, 28th through the uh, through May 4th in music, we got new releases such as Formaldehyde from uh, Terrorvision Republic by New Order, uh, Down with the King by Run DMC, Dragline by Paw, Kill My Landlord, the debut of The Coup, Slaughterhouse. I did not know they started so early. I They're uh, like... Uh, Boots Riley's like 22. <laughs> Slaughterhouse by uh, Master Ace Incorporated. Thousand Roads by David Crosby. Uh, Which Do Be You Be by Funk Do Be... Uh, funky C, Funky Do. Uh, I, I spelled it out phonetically for you. Funk Dubiest. Funk Dubiest. There you go. Uh, and PJ Harvey uh, and uh, Rid of Me. Wait, uh, Rid of Me, which is... Is that by PJ Harvey? Yes. PJ Harvey's Rid of Me, uh, which is on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time list. Fuck Woo. yeah, it is. That's, a, that's one of those albums that introduced me to like, oh yeah, not just can women be, be grungy, women can mean it. Yeah. Not It's not performative. It's no, this is who I am. I'm going to be weird. I'm a grungy motherfucker and I'm going to be mad about stuff. Mm. 
Well, we're yeah. going to close out with Freak Me by Silk because it's number one this week. Um, <laughs> as much as we talk about, oh, 92 and 93, the gr- birth of grunge and hip hop. <laughs> This is still the stuff that's at the top of the charts. It's like, yeah, baby making R&B music. It's adorable. So if you are turning 30 in exactly three months, (laughs) (laughs) this is why. Freak me, baby. Uh, All right, we'll close out with that. But stay right there. The dawn of the MCU basically is coming up throughout the rest of the episode. So don't move. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Today we're going to be covering the Brian De Palmer film, Blowout. Yep. And I've heard yeah. of Brian De Palma. I didn't have a sense of him as a filmmaker. That's if, if okay. you said, "What's a Brian De Palma film?" I'd be like, "I know the name." Your lifetime yeah. has I, been in largely Brian De Palma work for hire stuff. Has okay? Yeah. Did he also do Scarface? Yes. Or my yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. And the Untouchables. I I run very hot and cold with De Palma. Like oh, I've yes. seen a lot of his movies and. When he's good, he's really, really good. And when he's bad, it is unwatchable. Uh, and okay. sometimes you get the best of both worlds and you call that movie Body Double. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, you... <laughs> he, I love he, Body Double. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. with Maps by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs off of Fever to Tell, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 best albums uh, of all time list. And goddamn, are we playing? Are we playing rock band right now? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely won't lie. I have a it conjures memories of rock band. Uh, some dread, but then when I hear it on the radio and I don't have to do anything, like I like this song. <laughs> I don't have to hit any notes. This is yeah, wonderful. this is a good album. I, I listened to a bunch of it to decide. What do I want to come in with? I'll come in with the one people are going to know. Yeah, why not? It's a, this is a solid, solid album. I, I, I'm going to listen to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to 2003, April 28th through May 4th. Other new music releases include Black Cherry by Gold Frapp, uh, The Trouble with Being Myself by Macy Gray, He's Keith Murray by Keith Murray, uh, Meet the Girl Next Door by Lil Mo. Uh, As the Palace Burns by Lamb of God, Blueprints for the Black Market by... Anne Berlin, Body Kiss by the Isley Brothers. Jesus, the combo breaker. Isley Brothers. <laughs> and The War on Airism by uh, No Effects. In the Club by the, 50 Cent, still number one. The Isley Brothers' big hit, Shout, is from 1959. Yeah. What the fuck are I they I love doing? them. <laughs> I love the Isley Brothers, and I love that they just kept going. They'd bring in, like, guest artists, and yeah. It's like an Isley Brothers. They're cool. 
Um, and yeah, well, a little bit of news to bring into the world of 2003. 20 years ago, stuff that happened you might remember. I'm going to automatically assume every one of our listeners is at least 20. If not, go listen to something. Go enjoy some Logan Paul or something like that. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I don't know. No. What are you uh, saying? In what becomes known as the Mission Accomplished speech, uh, mm. U.S. President George W. Bush declares that major combat operations in Iraq have ended uh, on board the USS Abraham Lincoln off of the coast of California. Was he wearing the flight suit? Yep. Uh, yeah. he, oh. he came in, they they flew him in, and they're like, oh, it's too far for the helicopter. He's got to fly in in this cool jet and get out of the jet wearing the flight suit and looks like he personally shot down Saddam Hussein. <laughs> it was one of the more embarrassing <laughs> photo ops ever, and I just got through a, a, a partial rewatch of Arrested Development, and God, do they do they <laughs> reference this a lot. Like, there's so much, so many good jokes that do not make sense unless you remember this moment. Wikipedia has a huge section of in pop culture, and mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> songs and TV shows, The Simpsons, Lonely Island, SNL, a Red Bull commercial. And it's like, yeah, because it was so dumb. We knew it was dumb at the time, and they're like. No, we don't mean the war is over in Iraq. We mean it was over for the USS Abraham Lincoln. They put up the sign. It turns out, no, they fucking didn't. Yeah. The White House did because you're a bunch of bitches. Yeah. And it was yeah, highlighted, official- I think, once a year, the many years that the <laughs> conflict in the Middle East kept on going. Yeah. The official line was that it was declaring the end of major, major. combat operations in Iraq have ended. That's the phase where you're just trying to destroy the enemy's army mm-hmm. yeah. unfortunately there's a lot of iraqis left and they're mm-hmm. kind of mad yeah a yeah little bit. yeah this is after six weeks and uh we didn't pull out until technically 2011 and we still have contractors there to this day so mission accomplished i think that was a lesson all administrations had to learn you probably mm. really don't want to put even pretend to put a cap on something like that until it's really done. Um, this is so embarrassing. Speaking oh of technological things that change our lives, uh, major life, two major life changes. The smaller one, and this has been happening in the last couple of weeks, I thought it was fascinating because I don't know that I've ever used a New York subway token. I know I rode the subway before 2003, oh. mm-hmm. but I, I would have been like 12 and my parents would have handled that. And I just don't know that I've ever held one. And they are officially, they've been phased out over the course of the last couple of weeks, 20 years ago in New York, to the Metro card, which oh, still Oh, the exists. tokens are gone. Tokens I are gone. I have loose Metro cards around here that so I turn up every I. now and then. <laughs> Who knows when I'll be I in have, NYC again. I haven't been in New York in at least 15 years. I, I, Do I they expire? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot, they're like, as cards, they're worthless. I don't think they're supposed to hold up and be in your wallet that long i just don't think so <laughs> no i'm assuming now they have an rfid chip card that's like a like a credit card that actually will hold up but that back then no it's this flappy papery thing that's got a you know but a mag strip on it again, that can be demagged very easily neither here nor there but i thought maybe diana would find it interesting because i i my dad forced me to watch like this i watched this new mel brooks documentary like mel brooks documentary do tell mm-hmm. and it He's very much in it, and I think produced it and narrates it. It's called The Automat, and it's just about oh, yeah. the Philly. I, and I didn't know it was just Philly in New York, but there's a ton of Looney Tunes where Bugs puts a nickel in a slot, takes out a pie, and throws it in a character's face. But that was only a New York and Philly thing. Mm-hmm. An automated automat that was 
kind of only phased out because like this doesn't cost a nickel anymore. This now it doesn't <laughs> cost a quarter. Now it dollars are involved and you need to get change and it's just stupid. But it, yeah. it, for a hundred years, uh, but it, it reminded me of the New York subway token, which this year, no more Metro cards only. And, ah. and that's, but think about that in that same week, how your pockets are different. Apple opens the iTunes music store. Um, Ooh, and just judging yeah. by our downloads, like New York and LA and commuting cultures are always where we get our biggest downloads. And I have to imagine that's where iTunes made the most, the biggest splash with 200,000 songs. And I don't want to sneeze at that number, but it's just like, I feel like I have CDs with 200,000 songs <laughs> like on them somewhere from like 20 years ago. Apple had so much resistance from the record companies. Okay. Mm. They did not want this. They thought that it would cheapen music and they were right. Mm-hmm. They were did. right. But it, it did, it did in a weird way, save music as something you could sell because yeah, yeah. All, all of the other options were so fast. They had, you had to create an option to get music fast and yeah. And all, but a trustworthy one that yeah. you know it's the real one. It's not something on LimeWire or Napster. Yeah. Crazy Ivan's totally legit MP3 store. Please buy MP3s. It yeah, I think that that's the exactly. distinction. What we know now, and and I I did not buy because the DRM and I I still to this day fucking hate iTunes like to mm. uh, just a, a a cruel degree I can barely explain. But I didn't like the DRM. I don't like the syncing process. But uh, the DRM is probably what helped people like, oh, my music is always recoverable. And it's a device where you can make mm. those purchases. And I think that's what was missing. We, I tried to highlight when Real Network, was, they were all selling music, but you had to do different things with it to put it where you wanted. Whereas these Apple devices, you can buy it on the device. Yep. <laughs> now, I can't remember. Did they start out where you can, you own the music to your account and you can put it on multiple devices? I don't think so. No, I don't okay. think there were multiple devices. It was pretty much you, oh, could you put couldn't it on, buy it on your device yet. That that would come put, in a few years. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think we have. What do we have? iPod version no. zero. We should be right, pretty close. Yeah, to we that, have though. we have iPods, but I don't think we have a usable interface through which to make purchases as of yet. Right. Okay. Oh, iPods came out in fall of two thousand one. Yeah. So we have basic ass iPod click wheel guy probably have the second or third oh. gen out by now but yeah but you can buy you can't buy the thing on your ipod yet because yet. it doesn't have wi-fi capability mm. we'll get that when we get to the iphone but the idea of like yeah let's just buy a bunch of shit and i want to try listening to this and podcast what is that mm-hmm. i'll download <laughs> it and then i plug in my phone or my ipod and it syncs all up and now it's ready to go i'm gonna make a playlist called driving music and it's <laughs> Like kind of the same three songs over and over in a different order. It's true. I, I spent a ridiculous amount of time organizing my list because oh, in, in my yeah. mind it was like, well, this is the new mixtape. I obviously yeah. have to uh, make this tailor for my personality. Yeah, and, I I have playlists for specific things I want to do. And it just it feels so bizarre to me if you're a New Yorker this week. You went from jingle jangle tokens in your pocket <laughs> to a possible discman on your belt loop. To iTunes and and magic cards that let you on the subway <laughs> in like in the span of the same couple of weeks, uh, yeah, everybody must have been walking a little faster that week. Anyway, moving on to the movies of two thousand three, twenty years ago, April twenty eighth through May fourth. 
Oh boy, uh, Memoirs of a Murder with Song Kang Ho and Kim Song Chun. Chun? Um, yeah, Memoirs so, of a Memories murder. of Murder. This is Bong Joon Ho's second movie, mm. but it's the one that got all the attention. Of people who are like, I'm sorry, they they make movies in Korea now. Oh. Do they? Is old do boy they out have, this year. We already talked about that. They have movies. Oh. Uh, yeah, they fucking do, and they have a couple of some of the best filmmakers around. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, took <laughs> was seventeen years for everyone to notice. Oh shit, Bong Joon Ho's a genius. You know, y'all seen Parasite? You seen Parasite? The host after this one is like the big one of like, oh my god, Korean movies. What the hell? They're doing crazy shit over there. But yeah, Memories of Murder. I mean, it's it's a thriller. It's about people looking for a serial killer. Uh, I still haven't watched it. I he's not made that many movies. I should probably just take a weekend and do a whole Bong Joon Ho. I wanted to watch this, couldn't find the time. Del Toro loves it though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I huge fan. I believe it. And if you like yeah. Del Toro, I love the show Barry so much. But to sh- have him show up <laughs> as a gangster ordering a hit in this episode, just wonderful, <laughs> wonderful stuff. Um, oh, that's so good. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Told to ask your husband, he didn't care either. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, if Guillermo del Toro likes something, you should listen. He, he's very, very smart when it comes to um, what are good movies yeah. and memories of murder. Yep, I should just get to it because I've liked everything else from Fong that I've seen. So, and and I and I like serial killers. So, there you go. And I, I am, and then let's get to the two big movies the big and big, big <laughs> franchise really, news. It, which really, like, remember how last week we had just a whole bunch of, like, eh, middling sort of, because everyone's getting the fuck out of the way, except for one sneaky Disney guy who wants to do counter-programming. God um, bless him. Uh, the Lizzie McGuire movie. And I am yeah. very confused by this. Just, and I only <laughs> glanced at it, and I didn't feel the need to watch it, because who cares what I think about the Lizzie McGuire movie? Mm. Um, do like a Hillary Duff song or two. But the... The movie is the finale to the first season, but there's another season afterwards. I, I'm oh. very good. But the Disney Ooh. production cycle is intense. When I say a season, it's over 30, 35 episodes in a oh season. Uh, yeah, they made the movie, but I think it, I think they may have had a bunch of episodes in the can, and this is supposed to act as a finale to the Lizzie McGuire saga. <laughs> oh. Okay, I was just kind yeah. of surprised to see what the plot is because we're going to be talking about a TV movie that has a similar plot but for a very different demographic. Like, she goes on a fun trip to Rome, like with her class, and Alex Borstein is the chaperone, and then like she meets an Italian pop star and has to pretend she's a different Italian pop star, and wackiness ensues. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, it's, it's got it's got some weird moments. The film opens with Lizzie McGuire's brother recording her in secret during a time when she changes her outfit four times. Uh, This is never brought up again. (laughs) And then later on, there are many, many Pornhub sequels. uh, whatever that was, (laughs) I I Mm -hmm. bet there are, but later on, while Lizzie is in Rome, her little brother figures he can't blackmail her with the video of presumably her being naked mm. while she's in Rome. So he goes to his father and says, I miss my big sister so much. In about five seconds, the father says, okay, let's go to Rome. And they're in Rome the next day. I Googled uh, this. 
The cost of a next day air ticket <laughs> to Rome for three people. Yes. Six thousand dollars. Okay. If my son was missing his older sister in Rome, tough titties, kid. I'm not <laughs> spending six grand. She'll be back in a week. Wait. Uh, but uh, yes, Lizzie McGuire. Sorry, I don't have anything to say about the Lizzie McGuire movie. It, it, yeah, we just we weren't part of that Disney Channel era. I don't know if we'll ever be able to cover that very well. Um, I'd love <laughs> more than anything for people to chime in because I'm not. I hate to think of it as not having the same pulp, pop cultural value, but I had no access to this at this point, so I, I yep. had no idea. Yeah, what it we was. we heard from a bunch of people on Twitter about the idea that like I didn't know Holes was a book, and then I watched the movie. What a surprise! They were like, "You've got to be fucking shitting me! How have you never heard of this?" Yeah. Like because I'm old. Yeah. Because I'm an old person. Well, this, this is for me. This is like I'm just picturing like. I'm living in a college house filled with rats that can barely pay the utility bills and living off of DVDs and occasional theatrical screenings. Like I couldn't have been less in contact with stuff I couldn't steal off of Kazaa. And, <laughs> and uh, Lizzie McGuire wasn't one of those things. But the next thing uh, I think ended up creating my expectations for the movies I would see for the next 20 years. And mm. is, I think, the best case for the MCU needing to exist that has been released in theaters thus far. Uh, Alan Cumming, James Marsden, yeah, Brian Cox, uh, a lot of a lot of penis puns in here, Anna Paquin, Halle Berry, Rebecca Romain Stamos, Famke Jensen, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, and Hugh Jackman, the ultimate in dick pun. Number one at the box office, it is the horribly titled X2 X-Men United. What do you need, William? Just your authorization for a special operation, Mr. President. We've managed to gather evidence of a mutant training facility in the upstate New York. This facility is a school. Sure it is. Nobody really knows how many even exist. Or how to find them. Except you. Who are you? I keep feeling something terrible is about to happen. I would never let anything happen to you. It's about to get very cold in here. That's I need you to read my mind. Sometimes. Oh, I, I cannot <laughs> believe how great I feel this movie still is. Because yeah. the X-Men franchise in particular has been pretty awful. More awful than it has been good. And yeah, I, I was thinking about this earlier. There are basically two X-Men franchises and both of them have a good one and good movies, one and two. And then you should just ignore everything that happens after that yeah. for your own safety. Yeah. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah, in three I, and four. Yeah. If you don't count Logan, I think this yeah. is the best X-Men movie of all time. I, I think it's, yes. it is technically better than Logan because in terms of a, Every Marvel movie that has, that comes out in the wake of this focuses on a singular hero and their personal problems. But like th this is like better than any Avengers movie, really. And and it it, it does it it does so by like real like really hammering down an ensemble cast, very delicately telling telling you different facets of their personality and staying remarkably true to where Stan Lee put them. He, he want created the X-Men as like, yeah, I don't want to create a bunch of people where I have to explain their superpowers. I want them to just be mutants and use them 
as symbols of modern prejudice and sorry, I got to say it, Brian Singer, like just a gay man taking the reins of this. And like that allegory not only worked really well 20 years ago, I thought it would fade, but like the current embarrassing, like (laughs) nature of like what the, the, the LGBT community is going through right now as a desperate right-wing community tries to villainize them, it works just as fucking well. Like, it's amazing. The the scene where they go and a a kid comes out to his parents as a mutant is so good. Don't know anything about them and and have harbor ridiculous stereotypes given to them by fed by mainstream media. Like, it it strangely, because of the stupid shit happening in my home state right now, it mm. works just as well. And it, 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 not only that, it like as a sequel, I don't, I have not seen a template for this. I, we always say your sequel, you don't have to establish anything. You hit the ground running, but there's like, other than like being on the run, there is no superhero movie like this at all. They are assaulted like in the mm. first act in the, yeah. other than Logan, because I, re- the, I re- the, this movie got an R rating because just because of that sequence when Stryker's characters invade uh, uh, the the academy, Professor Xavier's academy, and Wolverine does a shitload of Wolverine shit. And when you watch it now, it's like they really try and like hide the claws going into guys, but it happens mm-hmm. a lot. In satisfyingly, yeah, he he had to have killed like a bunch of federal agents yeah. in that attack scene. Yeah. You, uh, you saw you more know, federal agents than you saw that he killed, but you have to presume he killed them all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just if your claws go into someone's heart, yeah, they're, they're not going to, but I, I swear, that. watch it. And like, I guess I may not have even seen this movie in like 10 and before. And like, they really try and sh- like not show guys sliding off of his claws, even though they have been penetrated to death with them right and <laughs> there the, this is definitely a pg-13 version of wolverine's r-rated powers he yeah. has the most r-rated powers of all time he 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 should only be in r movies but he's the fan favorite so he had to go pg-13 so you don't see that it still has some fabulous fabulous fight scenes yes. let's talk oh, about the yeah. opening yeah nightcrawlers teleportation attacking in slow-mo cgi from 2003 in slow-mo that holds up to this day there's that attack scene is still balls to this day there's 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 a a bunch of cg stuff that doesn't necessarily some fire the opening going through the brains oh lord is that 20 year old cg but the rest of it is like it's used so with such a good eye, like it's really fucking good, and it still looks good. Even like uh, uh, Mystique's transformations, even they should look yeah. like garbage, but they, it, it should look. Sometimes <laughs> Jr. may understand. It looks like the first CG ever with uh, the Genesis planet going up in Star Trek Three. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's almost the same tech, uh, but it still looks good, and the performances and the stakes are surprisingly high. Every Marvel movie we see is a world-ending, dimensional-ending situation, and this is not that. It's an enemy in the government who hates you. 
And and he's a fantastic villain. Okay, striker. If he Ryan was Ryan Cox is good at playing villains. I I'm not. I didn't this see is it either. This I is don't know how. Not the first Brian Cox performance I've seen since seeing Secession. It's just the only one uh, I've watched while watching Secession. Yeah. I hated it. I thought he was way more evil in general, just based on playing the ultimate <laughs> world-ending real-life villain, Logan Roy. It, mm-hmm. it. God, I hate seeing him on screen. Oh, I hate him so much. Uh, but uh, they listen, make listen him... to any listen to any interview with him. He's actually a really funny guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but they oh, make yeah. him one of the best realized villains. If this was a villain in the MCU, we would be raving w- about him up there with Loki because you can see where he's going from. Yeah, his yeah. mutant son tortured his wife until mm. she killed himself. Mm. Holy crud! Yeah. And in this film, Magneto is, what, 30 seconds away from exterminating the human race? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, people talk about, oh, the whole Thanos killing half people. That wouldn't work. So I looked it up to find out, in in the X-Men's universe, generally, how many people are mutants? Like, what proportion of people? And obviously, there's, there is a no consensus, but it's less than 1% right. of humanity. Yeah. Seems to be the general I, I idea. One in a million, just from a right. lifelong X Men fan. If you look at all mm-hmm. the mutants they encountered and say that's probably a tenth of all the mutants out there, then yeah, it's probably like one in a million is a mutant. Yeah, I think Magneto's uh, idea is really stupid because if you kill ninety nine percent of humanity, who's going to keep the power on? But it, like, who's going to pick up the trash, Magneto? <laughs> I, I feel like. Marvel does the MCU proper does have a villain problem and uh, humanizes villains to kind of a too much of a drastic uh, extent and constantly is afraid to kill people and brings them back and they do team ups. But this is how the X-Men work. Charles and Eric are old friends who want the same thing and have drastically different maneuvers to go about them. So like the team up here is fucking Dope. It is mm-hmm. this is one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Possibly better than yeah. The Dark Knight. Yeah, I I will posit until the MCU, the with superhero movies, the sequel is always the best one. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'm gonna go all the way back to Superman 2, either cut, Batman mm-hmm. Returns, Spider-Man 2, we haven't talked about Dark yet. Dark Knight. Um Dark Knight, yeah. yeah. And then, then things get foggier with the MCU. I, the third movie tends to be one of the better ones. But we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But I will say in 2003, this was the best comic movie of all time. Yes. I, and I better think, than I, any of the Batman yeah? films, better than any of the Superman films. So what else is there? Swamp Thing? Yeah. <laughs> not not even close. But the, the Return yeah. of Swamp Thing. Yeah. But... Road to Perdition. Got to bring it up again. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Do they fine. share some cinematography? No, wait. That's the next the different movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in 2003, Three, this was such an amazing thing that they would have this crazy costume and all these people who have all these powers. And this was a joke in 2003, this scene you're about to hear. It's a great, uh, in the blooper reel, you can see like a guy runs into the scene dressed as Spider-Man behind uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and, and that uh, was, Storm. 
considered the most crazy thing. This will never happen. Spider-Man and the X-Men in the same universe, never going to happen. And it still hasn't happened. But soon, I mean, MCU I is is not doing great. They got to bring in feet. the big guns like the X-Men. Yeah. All I can say is like having worked at one of these big companies with big franchises, like even that acquisition, like you can't, <laughs> you can't stop hundreds of people working on something like just make the X-Men <laughs> like all these people already assigned multi-year long duties. Uh, I get bummed about it all the time because the X, I kind of got into comics, Marvel comics, modern Marvel comics with the X-Men and they, they really do tie the whole Marvel universe together and they've had to sit on the sidelines throughout most of their popularity. And to this day, even though Mar- Disney now owns the X-Men lock, stock and barrel, have you gone into like a Target? They don't put X Men on shirts. Like you're more likely to see an old Luke Cage than you are to see a Wolverine next to Spider Man and Iron Man. It sucks. And I think that's the lack of the X Men in the MCU. You know, I think it was it was a, it was get... genuinely a movie directive. Once the movie started, they they said like anything you create an X Men comic fo- belongs to Fox. Don't create anything. Don't do anything crazy. We're X Men were kind of sidelined um, in comics. And but they were the biggest thing in comics at this time, and I think these movies hold up so much better than Spider Man. And by that I mean the first two X Men, not anything, almost anything else. Mm. And, and and what what really like bugs me, I had to look into a little bit was Nightcrawl. Like it just the X Men are are because the Avengers are like Marvel's response to the Justice League. Like we're just gonna have a comic where Batman and Superman team up. The X Men are kind of more strong as a brand as a whole than they are. Like there's a couple of characters who break out and have good solo issues. Wolverine obviously has had his long run, but they're, they're, they're the X-Men. They're all friends. They're in a group. They work best that way. And that this movie not only hit that in the first movie, like expands on it in such a great way and then drops the ball so horribly in the third movie. Yeah. Oh my God. I yeah. know. I was just, I was so loud. was like, is Nightcrawler in any other movies? Cause I love Alan Cumming. Technically, and I, yes. And it is such a non Alan Cummingy performance. Alan no. Cumming is so ger- good as Kurt Nightcrawler. He's a household name to me. And I tried to think today, what other movies do I know Alan Cumming from? Was he in an Adam Sandler? Almost nothing. Alan, <laughs> Alan Cumming has like the side career on stage and and uh, stuff that I don't doesn't necessarily come across wow. my purview. I would say his movie career is the side career. Yeah, and he's mostly a stage guy. And he turned down the idea of coming back. Like this is awful. It was horrible. The makeup. Oh, sure. uh, it wasn't that people didn't want him, but like it always made me mad making X Men movies without Nightcrawler. I fucking love Nightcrawler. He was one of my yeah, first favorite an, characters. Such an interesting character, and yet I I. Just, I'm very impressed that, you know, like I was talking about when we talked about the Avengers, like everyone has something of an arc. Everyone has some business they have to do, including like part of the team are the bad guys. And Mm -hmm. part of that is, do we trust these guys more than we trust those other bad guys over there? And you get the nice scene with them. First of all, the Magneto prison. Oof, yeah, beautiful design. I love the Magneto prison, and I love the breaking out of the Magneto you prison. Oh, getting something in a PG thirteen movie. This guy has iron in his blood, he and Magneto just sucks it out. Removed the blood in front of the audience. Yeah, and oh, so yeah. cool. It was 
that was so cool. And yeah, you do have to wonder, like, did they get a message back and forth? Or uh, Mystique just planned this on her own, drug this guy, load him up with just like too much fucking iron so that his kidneys explode. And then he goes into work and Magneto's like, you're sweating. You have a bit too much iron, don't you? And then, yeah, just starts pulling it out of his fucking Lifts body. his blood out of his body. It's yeah. so cool that's so cool and, and the, the movie relies on all these things that like aren't necessarily like effects based and i think t- another you know i'm a big superhero fan blah 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 but a big marvel fan since 85 uh the mcu still is relatively grounded sometimes the you know, doctor mm-hmm. strange cosmic stuff notwithstanding and the X-Men all have batshit powers, and nobody like that has appeared in the MCU like w- with these kind of powers still to this day. Uh, I, 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 miss, I, I miss them being, being able to mingle with the Marvel characters, especially with how fucking well done this is. And it's thanks to a guy. Let's just say that maybe this movie gave Brian Singer too much power and money. And then mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go yeah. ahead and mark. Now he did some shit on that pupil, but yeah, but, he did shit on it. But uh, but but more than that, let, 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 horrible people can make great art. I'm sorry, yeah. they yeah. can. You yeah, know, he had, he had a genuine understanding of these characters and how to present them in in a modern way. And it, God, I cannot believe how well it works. And I really hate to be the one to tell you you can only stream it through stars. At this point, it sucks. I I was wondering why isn't this on Disney Plus? Like uh, half of the X Men films are, but not this. Well, I think one there's rights that are decided years in advance. It'll eventually be on Disney Plus, but I think as this is a larger conversation, as most streaming networks are finding, like having an archive of old movies people have already seen, there's no money in that. You have to license out your movies every once in a while. And X X Men and X Men Two have a big cultural cachet with people who still watch cable channels. I don't know, I, I don't know, but like, I, it, it's happening more and more that Disney Plus is like, this should be on Disney Plus. This is a Disney ass movie, and it's not because there's no money really to be made in that. Aladdin has made people sign up for Disney Plus as much as it ever will. Um, it, it's better off screening somewhere else on cable or something like that. And yeah, it's dumb and it keeps happening because you still like Lord of the Rings aren't always on HBO max despite them owning it. So it, it, it sucks. And this is not on Disney plus right now. Um, but it's readily available. It's cheap to, to, uh, it's cheap to rent and it's unbelievably worth a rewatch. It just to like, think mm. of what the potential could be for the X-Men in the MCU. I don't know how they go about it. I, have had a giant dork conversations on other podcasts you can hear on Patreon to how they should go about it. How has the X-Men, how have they existed simultaneously? They have to be born in the sixties. They just have to be. <laughs> uh, and then how well, they- uh, to me, the big question is, is Magneto a Holocaust survivor or not? Right. That is such a huge part of his character. Yep. But even if you were 12 at the end of the Holocaust, you're, pushing 90 yep. at this point mm-hmm. unless the mutant powers have <laughs> i yeah. i can't wait to see yep. what they do but it still looks like we're about half a decade off of ever seeing what the x-men do on 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 film again but it's like no, i mean logan's gonna appear in the next deadpool it's true but like yeah. the x-men in general like the x-men being like this force to be reckoned with and i do i think it, a lot of that is owed to the fox cartoon because that really well translated the X-Men into animation in a way that no Marvel property had really done before. 
Like if this is specific to the comics. Uh, you, if you like this cartoon, you'll like the comics. X Men had never been more popular than the early '90s. Um, but I, I don't know how that could happen again. But oh, I love talking about it, and I love telling you uh, you should watch this movie again. Great series. My hot take for the episode. Mm-hmm. I know this is not popular. Cyclops was my favorite X Men. Yeah, he was. I liked okay. him. Thought he was good. He gets a lot of flack for being boring. I don't know. I'm probably super boring myself. I always loved him. These movies hate Cyclops. Oh, my gosh. They, like, revel in just, like, shoving him aside. It's not your story, Cyclops. Get away from here. No one likes you. It's not a hot take, and it's not not true. It's just, for what it is, uh, Cyclops represents the hardline established the establishment that is the X-Men and Wolverine's the one being introduced and getting out of his comfort zone. Cyclops is just like, yeah, whatever professor Xavier says. And he's way more (laughs) diplomatic when he says it. Um, and he's also not, Wolverine's also not trying to fuck Charles Xavier's girlfriend, which (laughs) is canonical. I I never, I never read the comics. I never watched the TV show. I really only know the X-Men from the movies. And I was always like, is he going to, do anything is he here just because he's a fan favorite because he feels he, like an extraneous character except for like there's a you know the bit of the love triangle stuff but they but don't like, do I like enough James Marsden and yeah I feel like he never like they, gets much to do I feel like they might have but I don't think they would have before he is fucking thrown away in the next X-Men movie like yeah, yeah utterly horribly but but yeah, like you know eventually it, like but... at the time Cyclops was like the Captain America of uh, the X-Men uh-huh. before Captain America became more nuanced and interesting. He was just the hmm. team leader and he goes evil a lot. And that is always really fun. <laughs> like way more fun in my opinion okay, than another dark Phoenix the, saga. The X-Men comics are soap operas. I'm sorry. They're soap operas. Sure. This person is sleeping with this person. Now they don't like this person. And now they're fighting with this person. Sure. They should have had more of the love triangle in the X-Men movies and this one in particular. You know, mm-hmm. they, that would have created more drama. I I do love X2. Big recommend for me. I don't think it's up there with Avengers because I don't think they have the team dynamics well enough. There are a lot of team members here. Like but Halle that's... Berry Storm. She has nothing to do in this film. And that's she yeah. was contractually demanded to have more lines because she's won an Oscar in between yeah. the previous X Men, and that that's the problem with it. Because what really like just looking at it when I was looking at it, like holy shit, this movie took three years to make after the outlandish success of the original X Men. The MCU puts out basically every X-Men movie that's ever been made in that kind of time span. It like, <laughs> and it has three, and it, it doesn't have anywhere to tell its story other than movies. And it's about an ensemble. So I think the Avengers, you could say is a little better, but they got solo films to establish all these things about these people. And like, none of the X-Men get that, but you always have a reason to root for every one of them for different reasons. It's very well done given that no one had made a superhero team movie like this before that wasn't Fantastic Four and terrible. Yeah, good. And, 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 and spends, I think, enough valuable time with each member that you get to understand them a little bit. Not not to my satisfaction necessarily, JR, but I think an admirable amount given how much screen time can be devoted to everybody. 
Um, what I find very interesting is uh, screenplay and story by credit. Story by uh, one of the credits is Zach Penn, who also has a story by credit on the Avengers. And for your husband, so Diana, he's a good thing. And also, are you going to talk about one of the Snake. writers is Dave? Is David Solid Hader Snake. the voice of Solid Snake? The voice Snake. of Solid Snake is why we have <laughs> two great X Men movies and one pretty good Watchmen movie. It's pretty astounding. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's pretty astounding. Uh, but th- this holds up very, very well. And to me, is like kind of the end of the X Men. Me really loving the X Men movies. I love part. Logan is amazing. Logan, I love Logan. I do too, but it, it is kind of odd that was to slam the door shut. But now that's not happening. <laughs> but it's comics. Yeah. It's comics. But then rewatching you know, First Class for some reason, First Class really clicked with me. I think it might good. be my second favorite one. Again, you can't count Logan because it's just different, different animal. Yeah, playing in a different genre, and 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 this. Yeah. But again, like I don't. Logan I, is the Unforgiven of superhero movies. But if exactly if, because it's playing in a different genre. So if you compare Avengers two, Age of Ultron to X two, I'd say X two is out outrageously better like yeah i there there still we don't really have a template to how to do a a superhero ensemble team movie series um and and marvel plays I mean, around Justice with it League but, sucked this is so much better than Justice and I'll, I'll get into it in the next segment but just like basically every marvel movie now if it's a solo film is just more about the big picture and is not in any way a solo film contains many many people and many stories uh, it's almost never about one person. Um, anyway, anyway, X two. I was I was floored by how much I still liked it, and and like I, I, I say that like every ten years, we have a commentary on Patreon, Patreon dot com slash Laser Time with a bunch of comic loving friends watching the whole thing, and you can watch it with us. Uh, very very good movie. I cannot recommend it enough. Holy shit! I've talked too much yep. about X two. Yeah, I feel like no. This is the benchmark. This is Very this is good. the benchmark for superhero movies in general, especially if you have to balance out a lot of storylines and a lot of characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is it. Uh, I mean, we can get into we'll get into an argument eventually about whether this is better than Spider Man Two. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't like I I don't love that these X Men movies are all kind of told through the eyes of Wolverine. Because in, mm-hmm. in the in the comic, like there's all we'll tell you where you come from, Logan. That was a mystery the comics had not yet decided upon, and it was forced upon the comics because of where the movies were going to go with it. They wanted to tell what yep. happened to where Logan or James came from. <laughs> Hate calling yeah. him James. He's Logan. Yeah, yeah, them killing, you know, they, they had to cut, you know, some of the shots of him killing a bunch of you know federal agents and stuff to protect children, but they did not cut him uh, killing Kelly who. Yeah, that's an unpleasant Ooh. death. That yeah. was unpleasant. And the most unpleasant thing, you know, she's being mind controlled the whole thing. But when yeah. she's not mind controlled, after her uh, fight, as she's dying, the mind control goes away. So she has just mm. enough time to recognize I'm dying, and I haven't been controlled. Wow, yeah. that's a that's a not great death. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah, that is dark. When you're fighting people who are mind controlled, it's kind of unfair to killed them yeah but what do you, you got to do what you got to do they're going to kill it's you like, otherwise she's she's got the world's most killerly press on nails it's like if you died the, a million times. on your deathbed and then all of a sudden god spoke to you like 
really all life is about is collecting plastic bottles. Those things I threw away. Oh, yeah. this sucks. I finally yeah. gained control. That's another of my way. I, we got to mention that that fight scene too, because you know, again, I don't, I don't know as much stuff because I just right. know the movies. But the idea of how does one kill Wolverine? With an adamantium like, bullet. Yeah, kind of. Yep. No, but her, her strategy is stab him a hundred thousand mm -hmm. times so he bleeds out. It's true. And it's I mean, pretty creepy. You can <laughs> like cripple him enough by doing that mm -hmm. that maybe you yeah. can wound him enough by doing that that he there's a limit to his healing factor. I mean, yeah, exactly. She's trying to overload the, the healing factor by putting so many holes in him. And it's like, Oh, hey, someone thought about the strategy. There is, okay. But there it's is a also, different kind of fight. There is also not. This is like the movies are way more definitive in how Wolverine dies because mm -hmm. Wolverine's never really been dead. And yeah. so, yeah, it's difficult to say. Real deep nerd yeah, shit. But, fun to talk about. Yeah, but that's that's the kind of deep nerd shit that still has like a plot point. That, like there's a reason it's like. Someone has to fight Wolverine. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Who do we get to do that? You can slow him down. They right. show it in Days of Future yeah. Past. What you can, you can leave him underwater for decades if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like that they have to take that into account. Because if it was just a punchy, punchy fight, I'd be like, why are you doing this? You're wasting your time. X X2 is Don't just... just do a punchy fight. It's so elegantly done and kind of from for lack of a better term, like kind of an auteur-y thing where like mo modern Marvel movies are not going to get, you're not going to get mm -hmm. like a unique eye or different aspects of cinematography or pacing. Or are you? You may, you might, you might, we you might, might. We might talk about one. All right, let's they, keep going. That has a clear author. Let's keep going. Uh, Moving two, on. 2003 yep, television, two. um, April 28th through May 4th, uh, The West Wing, Life on Mars. Um. Yeah. I did. What? What? Yeah. What season is this? On his first day, Matthew Perry uncovers a scandal that makes the vice president resign. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. It. It's you know uh, why I think Sorkins cast Matthew Perry for. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Mm -hmm. I think he mm -hmm. looked at his performance in this show and went, that's my guy. Yep. Yep. You can see it's, uh, you got to tell me about, Simpsons has been on for so long, we have a Duffman-focused episode, uh, Old Yellow yes. Deli. I, <laughs> I love Duffman, okay? He is one of my favorite uh, Simpsons characters, and... This is the inspiration for Duffman. This summer, you can win one of 50,000 prizes worth over $1 million by finding one man. I'm back. And this time, I brought friends. Haven't I seen you somewhere before? You know, you look very familiar. Nice suits. Find a Budmancer. This is so funny because, like, it is... The Simpsons has been on so long. This is like a two-year-old marketing, a two-year spanning marketing thing for Budweiser that has, the reference has outlived what it's referencing by such a drastic degree. <laughs> but no one remember. People are way more inclined to remember Spuds McKinsey or Bottles playing football in the Bud Bowl than fucking yep. Budman. Well, this, this one has Spuds McKenzie in it too, doesn't Hell it? Yeah. Yes. This is where... It Right, where Santa's little helper becomes Suds McDuff after <laughs> the family hates him because he refused to rescue anyone in a fire. 
And uh, that causes Duffman to retire, or he reveals his real name in this episode. Hey, Duffman. Please, I'm not Duffman anymore. Just plain old Barry Duffman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need... Let it go. Keep need to be Duffman again so we can get our dog back. But I like it here, helping the less fortunate. It'll be a cold day in hell before I shill beer again. Icy cold, full-bodied, beechwood-aged, amber-hued, day in. Oh, who am I kidding? Where's my trademark headgear? Yeah! I am not kidding. I want a beer so bad now. Jesus. He did it again. Uh, he did it again. Duffman. Uh, Duffman. He's such a great character. Yeah. I mean, every appearance. I've never seen a bad Duffman appearance in The Simpsons. Every time he makes me laugh. I I remain I remain utterly shocked. The Simpsons has not sold Duff beer on a national level. Why not? I I, why not just sell know. it at your local stores? You know. I think just, I I saw like uh some of the DC heroes got like some brandage on some wine. And, uh, yeah, like, why, like seriously, it's not going to cause a scandal anymore. The world <laughs> drinks more than ever. You know how, what, how inclined I would be to drink Dr. Doom's wine? <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. But that'll have his mind control agent, Chris. Oh, and I could say I bested it, even though, you know. Uh, oh, my God. But Duffman. Duffman. Uh, Duffman. Own, yeah. own, own his action uh, figure. The actor who plays Duffman can never die. Wait, no, I got that wrong. Barry Duffman Duff can never die. Only the actors who portray him. Oh, yeah. Barry Duffman. <laughs> I did not, I'm not sure I remembered that. Uh, and also this week, the TV movie, <gasps> Woo! The Roman um, Spring of Miss Stone with Helen Mirren, Oliver Martinez, and Anne Bancroft. Ooh, classy cast. Yep. Oh, we're bringing it, it. Everything is coming together here, man. We got uh, Mrs. Director of Blood In, Blood Out. Uh, it's about a woman who goes to Rome, like the Lizzie, Ma <laughs> the Lizzie McGuire movie. She uh, deals with a uh, male sex worker, just like Three of Hearts. It co-stars Brian Dennehy, who was in that uh, Murder in the Heartland TV movie. It's got everything. It's an adaptation of the Tennessee Williams uh, book that was also done with Vivian Lee. But, you know, about an older woman who um, tries to get her groove back. But it's a Tennessee Williams story, so, you know, it's going to be weird. Wasn't watching I just anything, loved but... how it's like, oh, my God, the Venn diagram is all leading us here to a Showtime movie? Okay. I wasn't watching anything this week, but X-Men 2 twice. And I forgot to say my favorite memory because I've said it on so many other shows. My friend would do an impression of Colossus in the X-Men arcade game whenever he went hulked out. You can find it on YouTube for 10 hours. It's hilarious. And not knowing whether Colossus is going to appear is like, if Colossus appears, you have to do the yell in the theater. And, 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 we had no idea. He's like, look, if he's in the movie, I'll do it. I've seen the quick time trailer 11,000 times. He's not there. And he is. And it was wonderful. <laughs> and he stood up and did the pose too in a crowded theater. And everyone applauded even more. It was a, such a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even the, no games this week. Uh, no games of, of merit to mention. But we're going to close out the segment with I Can by Nas. Because old Nas is on the charts this week. 
Um, good for you, Nas. Uh, why don't you take us in to our final segment, 2013, Nas? Uh, Nas says yes, and stay right there. We'll be right back with probably another Marvel film. Don't move. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big, giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. W- what was it? What was it when people walk at a theater? How were people talking about this? And it's one, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in, and you can find those on archive.org. And that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> Didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. <laughs> Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth watching. And for the week of April 28th through May 4th, oh, we got some award winners. And then not award winner that is actually my higher recommend out of the award winners. But let's start with ooh, what is that? 75 years ago this week saw the release of that year's Best Picture winner, Hamlet, directed by and starring Laurence Olivier. What do I have to say about this? It's Hamlet, and it stars Laurence Olivier. Frankly, not my favorite Hamlet. I am a fan of the gigantic Brana one, I have to admit. I think he delves deeper into the text. This is a very classic style Hamlet. And Olivier was not the most interesting filmmaker. Uh, his Henry V is a lot better and more interesting. I like Richard III, too, a little more. But yeah, it's Hamlet. It's him and Gene Simmons in a bad wig. Not the kiss Gene Simmons, the other Gene Simmons. It's real good if you don't have four hours to kill and you need a pretty solid Hamlet. You got a pretty solid Hamlet from 1948. Then 40 years ago this week, we've got the big winner at Cannes that year, Ballad of Nariyama, uh, directed by Shohei Imamura, which is, well, depressing, but very interesting. It is about this village where when you turn 70, they send you to the mountains to die because you're a burden now. And it's about a woman who is 69, 
not nice. Because she's got to go up to Mountain to starve herself to death soon. And she wants to get everything arranged for everyone so that they're taken care of when she's gone. It's... I haven't seen it in, like, 25 years, I admit. But I remember really being blown away. Like, it's one of those where you turn it off and then you just sit there thinking for a long time about everything. I I just thought it was beautiful. So, Ballad Narayama from 1983. But my bigger recommend, though, from 19, also from 1983, turning 40 this week, is the film debut of director Tony Scott. I did not realize that, but now it makes all the sense in the world. The Hunger, starring Catherine Deneuve, David Bowie, and Susan Sarandon. It's like Three of Hearts, but with vampires. It's about a vampire couple. Well, really, a vampire, her, like, familiar, and uh, this woman that they're interested in. And it's a very different take on vampirism than just about any I've ever seen, you know, because I think Susan Strand is like a researcher in like sleep and aging. So obviously you want to talk to a vampire who's Catherine Deneuve, who is seducing her because, I mean, she's Catherine Deneuve. Oh, my God. If she was like, I'm going to have sex with you and then kill you, I'd be like, yes, please. I'm fine with that. Up to today. She looks amazing. Yes, do that, please. I want to die because of you. So it's very, very erotic, slow, sexy vampire movie, The Hunger. It's got some cool makeup effects uh, by Dick Smith, who's, you know, a legend. Uh, With, you know, David Bowie, there's a scene where he, like, ages really suddenly. It's very, very creepy. But yeah, so Tony Scott, he does this and then he does Top Gun. Okay. Well, it's a different kind of eroticism, I guess. So yeah, The Hunger from 1983. Uh, if you're into vampire movies, check it out because it's it's something it's something a little different. It's a lot of fun. So that's it for this week's Stay Classic. Down in the sun when my feet hit the sand, what a long, strange trip. I spend my whole Coming in with a pirate flag by Kenny Chesney, uh, welcoming us to 2013, 10 years ago, our final segment of 302010. We're talking about the week of April 28th through May 4th. Other new music releases include Now What by Deep Purple, uh, Such Hot Blood. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> Such Hot Blood by The Airborne Toxic Event, Acid Rap by Chance the Rapper, Me, You, and the Music by Jessica Sanchez, Life on a Rock by Kenny Chesney, haha. Uh, Siberia Acoustic by uh, Lights, Authentic by LL Cool J, Ready to Die, the fifth and final album by the, by the Stooges. And <laughs> One of the most influential bands of all time. They've had five albums since 1969. That's crazy. And uh, The Hands That Thrive by Starlight Manifesto. Uh, Just Give Me a Reason uh, by Pink featuring Nate Roos. Roos? Roos? Spelled like Seuss? Uh, is still number one. Um, welcome to our final segment 2013, 10 years ago May not seem like such a long time ago But I really felt it this episode for some reason um, <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of news To bring you to the wonderful world of 10 years ago Rhode Island becomes the 10th state to legalize same-sex marriage Yay yep, They keep ticking along mm-hmm. Currently the law of the land For now for now well i'm sure that some justice is going to be like well since they didn't put it in the thing in 1789 it doesn't count nobody mentioned this during the civil war so it doesn't count uh right yeah anyway moving into the movies of 2013 because there are uh 
Well, a biggie. Uh, we got greetings, greetings from Tim Buckley, starring William Sadler. Hell yeah. Frank Bello, Leo, Leo Butts. Wait, Norbert Leo Butts, Frank Wood, Imogene Poots, Butts and a Poots. Ben Padgley and Ben uh, Rosenfield. Greetings from Tim Buckley. Uh? So this is a movie about Tim Buckley, um, who was a big folk singer and mm -hmm. is sort of overshadowing the life of Jeff Buckley is played by Penn Badgley. And um, he's trying to deal with like, I'm a singer songwriter. He was a singer songwriter, but I didn't really know him, but you know, the shadow looms large and I have to admit, I did not watch it, but I have a friend who is a huge fan of both Jeff and Tim Buckley who said, Oh no, they sounds like they got, they got it right. Like they nailed it. And Penn Badgley is one of those guys who's just like, he pops up here and there. I and mean, it's like, I, I I somehow got sucked into watching the show You, which is mm -hmm. objectively terrible and transfixing because of him, the mm. lead, who is not only your star, but your humble narrator through the whole way through. And mm. I currently at a point where I hate this. Can I stop? Can I stop? Can I stop? <laughs> I don't like this at all. Uh, but Penn Badgley is good. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's like, I'm waiting for the role to break him out because he's he seems like you're someone made you to be a movie star right where you were bred to be like a movie star give that guy a gun and see if he can like save the president i don't know <laughs> but, uh, yeah so uh, greetings from tim buckley i i apologize for not getting to it uh but i like i like music a, biopics that are not womb to tomb biopics Penn badgley and uh mar-a-lago has fallen that's <laughs> <laughs> let's do it Every time I see his name, though, I think of an ad, uh, uh, like a little meme that I saw that was like, "Cop, what's your name?" And it's like guy looking at cop frantically. Uh, uh, Pen, Pen uh, badge, badge Penley, badge Penley, Enema Bag Jones. That's a cool joke for cool people. Um, other another movie out this week, Onata April, uh, Joanna Vanderham, Alexander Sarsgaard, Steve Coogan, and Julianne Moore, and what Maisie knew. We need more people to do modern adaptations of books from like 1898. Yeah. And just throw them in the modern day. Why the mm -hmm. fuck not? This got really good reviews. Again, I'm a dick. I didn't see it. But um, yeah, it's it's a story of divorced parents having a custody battle at, where they're kind of dicks and don't really think about the kid. And it's really about the kid and what she's going through. And it's adapted from a Henry James novel from 1897. Wow. And it's like that. I, I love that. The idea that, you know, there's there's so many good stories out there that you can. There, there's no reason to not modernize it. People break up all the time. They have kids. Things get sloppy. They have new partners. The new partners get involved in someone's life. And yeah, all the reviews were that it was really solid. Um, and uh, it, it like barely got released and it didn't make any money. And I'm bummed because, yeah, what Macy knew sounds just, it's one of those things that's like is people just not want to see that on screen because so many people <laughs> live through that of breaking up and having custody fights and yeah. all that tension well, and it's like they never you don't see that many movies about it what's your audience do you want happy couples to go and watch it and say thank god that's not <laughs> us do you want people who've been through it to go watch it and go wow this reminds me of the worst time of my life <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah exactly we dealt with that when Marriage Story was nominated for an Oscar. Like, I'm asking people, like, what do you think of this movie? I'm like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going through my own divorce right now. Why would I want to relive someone else's? Uh, mm -hmm. But speaking of, of, in my opinion, 
opinion, Ooh. bad adaptation. Now I want to know what is the best film about divorce. Listeners, chime in. Ooh. Um, the, Irreconcilable it, it differences. Just... I do like that one. War of the Roses. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. War of the Roses. My parents took me to that while they were getting divorced. <laughs> that... Oh, no. Yeah, that was not a good choice, parents. That was oh. not the good movie to choose. And afterwards, uh, did you plead with them? Please don't all get on the chandelier. You're gonna die. <laughs> um, and speaking of uh, odd adaptations, and something mm. I found not very good, but really wanted to see done. I don't know. Yes, I want this story done right. But it's not really a story that needs to be done. Uh, Stephen Dorff, David Schwimmer, James Franco, Ray Liotta, Chris Evans, Winona Ryder, and Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. And the Iceman. The story of Bobby... No! It is the story of Richard Kuklinski, and this is adapted from a series of HBO documentaries about Richard Kuklinski. Uh, Who was a massive liar. Perhaps. The, the general consensus is that he just lied up up his ass. He kept saying that he was getting paid like six thousand dollars to do all these executions, and it was like dozens, if not hundreds, of them. And hundreds. by and large, he confessed to two hundred maf- murders. Right, mm-hmm. but that's probably a lie. Mm-hmm. The yeah. mafia doesn't actually pay you to do executions. Yeah, it's your job. That's part of your job description. If you're a made guy. Killing who the boss tells you to kill is a freebie. It's just mm-hmm. your dues. You got to do it. And there's a couple of rare instances where they're like, we'll get someone from far away so it can't be traced to us. But those are very rare. For the most part, if you're in the mafia, your killings are just part of your job. But this guy was like, yeah, I, I got, I did 100 murders and got paid a $6,000 each. And all the other made guys were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> or, or please take credit for my murder. If I'm eventually arrested, <laughs> uh, go for it, brother. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I my mean, favorite he did story some was murders. His, oh, yeah, huge murder. He, just... he definitely did a whole bunch of murders. I think he, yeah. I, I, this guy is a total cycle. As a young teenager, he killed another young teenager and then. He smashed out that teenager's teeth and cut off the uh, fingerprints so they couldn't identify the body. That's something he did as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And he said he felt nothing. It's why those documentaries are so great. Like, he is telling you how he kills cold-bloodedly, saying whether it's true or... I love this story. Like, yeah, sometimes I'd go into a bar, pretend to be a drunk, put cyanide in a shot glass, and just throw it on a target's back and... Like stumble out and like dude's dead. Don't know if it's real, but it like I'll tell you what I didn't want to see his life story. I wanted <laughs> I wanted him to, to explain murders. I don't I don't give a shit at all about his life. Person, how did he hide it from his wife? I mean, the same way every other mafia person hides it from their wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. Money. That's why I think this should have just stayed the documentary. I right. do oh, not yeah. see any value in this fictional format. And it's not like what we talked about last week with Pain and Gain. Um, I just don't think this is a good film. Yeah. And there there are three HBO documentaries that are like outrageously watchable where he's just telling you how he killed people. Mm -hmm. Like I've tried watching this twice and just like, man, this is not what I wanted at all. Don't care at all. No, it's it's weird that they're they're sort of Hollywooding it up, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, 
fictionalizing so much of it that's just like well what's the what's point the then what just give him a <clears throat> just just give him a new name just make right. this a totally fictional story that is lightly inspired by mm -hmm. the ice man uh not pretending it is actually about him and his crimes yeah and don't yeah, steal the I, bobby I drake movie title for the eventual ice man movie i don't like that at all yeah and just i don't know i guess michael shannon's not bad casting but i mean part part of kuklinski's thing is he was sort of a big guy and he could just sort of get something around your neck yeah. and then just hoist you over his shoulder and he strangle you that way but also like so. michael shannon is handsome and cool and richard kuklinski is not i'd never watch those documentaries mm. and like man what a dope guy like i we don't we have a thing now of not fucking romanticizing murderers and yeah making them famous we should I, I think the I, I tried to watch as a, I just didn't it left a bad taste in my mouth for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and, not not a fan. But the next movie, not so mm -hmm. much. William Sadler again. Once again, one of the few presidents we ever see in this movie series. Um, True. Stephanie Sostak, uh, Paul Bettany, John Favreau, Rebecca Hall, Ashley Hamilton, John Badge Dale, Don Cheadle, Guy Pierce, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Kingsley, and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, in Iron Man 3. Mr. Stark, ready for a lesson? Go! There's something I want to say to the Mandarin. You're not a man. You're nothing more than a maniac. You know what's going to happen to you, right? It's just you and me. You'll never see me coming. Gotta tell you, I got a huge kick watching these trailers. Just, it's rare that I'm like, I love being caught up in the promotional hype. And the Mandarin in particular, as a comic mm -hmm. fan, like, surely they're not doing this. Do not adapt well, the Mandarin. The Mandarin is Tony Stark's Joker. Yeah. He's Tony Stark's Lex Luthor. The yeah. Mandarin is the big Iron Man villain. It is. If you love the Iron Man comics, it would be like, well, we've had two Batman films and they haven't got to the Joker yet. It's true. It's true. And but, then but it, it comes they bring from... out the Joker who is not the Joker in any way, shape, or form <laughs> that you've ever now, liked. And part of, okay, part now, of that I have, promotion. I have, to ask, hmm. I, I have to ask this as, as comic book guys who know who the Mandarin is and know what his deal is. Would you like it better if he was the villain for a couple movies and then you get the reveal of his backstory? Or would that feel so fucking cheap that you would riot? And to keep it in one movie was a good idea. I mean, no. They could have. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings basically has the Mandarin. Yes. Basically. Yes. Uh, uh, but it doesn't. Well, they it didn't want to. It doesn't approach the avenues yeah, of yellow that, panic. That's true. It has like a real Mandarin, right? The yellow right. panic, as it's called, that period in comics of like mm. horrible Asian stereotypes. And then when mm. we saw this, like, oh, they're just Heath Ledgering the shit out of Ben Kingsley. And I, I don't, I can't say I love it. It just tickles me that like for fuck a year, a year we're led with, oh, I'm Ben Kingsley and I'm affecting a superhero voice and you won't see me coming and then the, you see nixon oh, <laughs> you yeah not a villain not even chinese uh but, but but that's everybody thought like uh is this their like what a weird depiction and it's what a huge it's like the biggest swerve 
to this day in the yeah. MCU. Um, yeah, it might be the biggest swerve. And I really think they chose that because of the China market. Okay. Mm. China would never, mm. ever, ever allow the Mandarin to th- be sh- as shown in the comics, no. even the non-racist modern Literally version. yellow. I'm, oh. I'm, okay. <laughs> We're not talking about the 60s Mandarin. <laughs> Go for the 80s or 90s Mandarin, even early 2000s Mandarin. Not, I don't think he's as yellow peril. I would, I will agree. He started off that way. Oh yeah. I think he developed as a character. Sure. Uh, but China would never let any version nope. of that character portray themselves in China as shown by Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. The first Marvel movie with a predominantly Asian cast never been released in China. Wait, really? And probably won't. Really? Ever. Shang-Chi hasn't been released nope. in China. Never. Wow. And that's, yeah, one of the only Phase Four movies I'd save in a fire. Of... <laughs> I'm I'm looking up different comic pictures of the Mandarin, and doesn't feel good. Does I'm, it? I'm getting a real Emperor Ming vibe off of him. But but beyond yeah. beyond that beyond that, which I guess we'll get to in a second, because you know, I, there's probably no spoilers here. The Shang Chi is a bigger spoiler than our conversation could ever have about the Mandarin character. Mm. Uh, but I think this is the best solo superhero film Marvel has ever done with Ooh. the possible exception of the first Iron Man movie. Ooh. Would you, ex- I know Spider-Man I films a... are any of those solo. Uh, I think that's difficult to say given how many Spider-Men yeah. were in the last one, but right. well, yeah, not three, no. but one or two. But, no, but Tony uh, like, Stark shows up. In here, here's the, first here's line, the funny so. thing that I remember. Like, um, is this solo? Here's the funny thing I remember when after Robert Downey Jr. had con- completed this film, and this film has like a like goodbye to Iron Man. <laughs> in it. Mm. I don't, and this could be apocryphal. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. hadn't signed on to more Marvel stuff, and when he did, they're like he signed on to multiple movies beyond the announced Avengers films. Uh, that he was supposed to be in. I'm going off memory. Don't quote me here. My memory is that when Iron Man 3 was over, they had Robert Downey Jr. locked in for Avengers 2 and Avengers for yeah. 3, but nothing else. Yeah, and then and everything then, else had to be renegotiated with him being one of the biggest stars Cap- in the Captain planet. America with- 3 begins with Iron Man story. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Iron Man is all over the first Spider-Man. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, like he got. He, well, he's the central character in the MCU. We right. can all agree yeah. on that. And, and watch and right. Robert Downey Jr. deserves to be that because this is one yes. of the best performances uh, he gives in the Iron Man Ab- uh, timeline. And, and like, in like most, and I'm not complaining because, like, you know, I liked that Doctor Strange went multiverse and we see a lot of different characters and we're introduced to America Chavez. I like, I don't, I don't dislike that. I don't dislike seeing more Marvel characters in my Marvel movies, but. At the time when a solo Marvel movie meant you're solo, you're not going to get your friends aren't coming and we're not going to show established people outside of your universe when they really kept to that. Like, I think that those don't hold up very well either <laughs> a lot of times. This is not a sequel to Iron Man 2. No, it's a this sequel, is to, a the sequel to the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and in every, se- oh, if I, I've said this on other podcasts so much, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself to people who've been listening for a while. I hate nothing more 
than the superhero film where the superhero loses their powers. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It's Spider-Man 2. They did it even worse than Luke Cage. It sucks. But like having Iron Man experience genuine expressions of PTSD for something he was never supposed to be involved in. Uh, and, and then talking about that, he doesn't lose his powers as much as like, it just sucks to be alive and, and, yeah. and, and acknowledging all this. It sucks to be him. It's easy to forget how non-comic booky Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 are. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not mm -hmm. in this comic book universe, except they are. Except Iron Man doesn't know that. So in Avengers, when he meets aliens, I mean, think how freaked yeah. out you would be if you met a genuine alien menace when you didn't think aliens were real. It, it mm. also, even more powerfully, when the stuff in Civil War, build a suit around the world because like he's not equipped to deal with this shit. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Cap, yeah. I, I, I want like I want to build an Ultron that helps us all. And it, you watch even Endgame, he's like skinny. He's like, I fucking told you. I told you this would like come back to haunt us if we don't protect yeah. ourselves. Yeah, I think that is one of the things that I really like about the MCU, basically from Iron Man through Endgame, is mm -hmm. that the characters do have arcs over yeah the over time, and his is got the most giant one. Yeah, where. We, we, you know, we start out where he's like, just so fucking cocky. We get it. I understand. And then he's got to learn to work with others. Okay. We get it. And I can see through Iron Man three, how the character from Iron Man one gets to civil war. Iron yeah. Man, who yeah. is a very different person Yeah, because he, he is literally stared into the void and it broke his fucking. Yeah. Brain. I don't love the government either, but like. There are bigger things coming, and I don't think we're going to be equipped But what to if we're it? all literally eaten by an alien from space? <laughs> that should be coming. Galactus should be coming. God damn it. Yeah. yeah. And, so, you know, I like that. I like that this is, you know, it's it's a solo adventure. It makes sense that it would be a solo adventure. Everybody doesn't have to show up for every size adventure. You know, I, I that's think one they, thing I they, didn't they, like about the MCU. Another thing I didn't like about the MCU is how many end of the world scenarios yes. they run into yeah. instead of something like this where it's like well that guy's just a problem but mm -hmm. he's a lot to deal with it, it, but it, it, I can I do it but it's going to be hard and it really is a mano a mano kind of thing I don't really need any aliens to show up and have my back on this it's the thing I have, I had, kind of my problem that I started it had, I've written chiefly in my notes when watching this and X-Men together that like one Marvel doesn't acknowledge the fucking president anymore at all. Like it has nothing <laughs> to do with anything. Allegedly your boy Harrison Ford is going to be taking that role in a future film. JR. Mm -hmm. um, taking over for William Hurt's Thunderbolt Ross. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but like we never, it's, I'm not criticizing it because I, I think the movies roll high and tight as they are. We not only don't see what the president thinks about it. We don't see what people think about it there's like a brief glimpse well, in, in, in i mean that's that's part of the comic book world okay yeah. you want your comic book world to be recognizable you want people on the street to be like normal people on the street mm -hmm. but the reality is if aliens invaded i mean think how much america changed over 9 11 right okay then aliens invade and we almost di all die jesus what a huge change i mean our society would not would change more from an alien invasion than it did from 
World War One, World War Two, no, and the Cold War combined. I, I get, I, I get it, I get it. But just that, like Iron Man Three is kind of this. It is this um, almost hangover from Avengers, like mm-hmm. addressing mm-hmm. some of the issues that you have to address. It. I love. The- there was a lot of worry. There was like, yeah. well, they did the Avengers. Can they really keep this thing going? I mean, really, yeah. but they but should it, have stopped and I, there, and right? Iron Man Two is kind of weak. Maybe we just need to make Avengers movies from now on. But in terms, like, in, in terms yeah. of solo Marvel films, this is the story of a man who is also yep. Iron Man. It's not about getting to. I shouldn't even say it here. I, I I've hated few Marvel movies as much as I did the last Ant Man because it's. Mm. That could have been anybody. They're just establishing the big new bad. Ant-Man is barely involved in his own fucking movie. His backstory isn't involved. His history isn't involved. His feelings aren't involved. It's it's just Marvel making stepping stones to the future. And this has none of that. It's like this slow, chill moment that almost feels like a bonus feature to Avengers but done by one of my favorite writer-directors, Shane Black, who deserves a mm-hmm. shitload of credit because he rocketed Robert Downey Jr. back into stardom with something that really served him well. Jon Favreau fought for him to be in the Marvel movie because he was considered damaged goods. Is he going to be a problem? Is his addiction going to ruin our production? They had to fight for him. And, and watching this, like, whenever they cast someone new for Marvel movies, and I mean no offense to these actors that I really love, they are personalityless. They are... Other than what Chris Hemsworth's character has come into in the Guardians, all these new characters, like outside of uh, the Marvel TV shows, don't really get much personality. Or like, this feels like a Robert Downey Jr. movie. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. does Captain America feel like a Chris Evans movie? Does Does Captain Marvel feel like a Brie Larson character who is mm-hmm. like a phenomenal actress and like kind of just yep. is kind of dull in those films? That's, that's why I'm curious to see marvels more than yeah. anything of like yes give her more people to play off of yes. let's see what happens and, and this um, is but 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 downey jr nobody could do be downey jr but downey jr and i don't know that i can yeah. say that about a lot of the other marvel characters in the universe i i gotta say i think he's the best actor for a role in all of comic history me too i'm not saying it's the best performance i am i'm saying that him the man was such a perfect fit for Iron Man over 12 films? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there there was a there was this cocky sadness to like that that reflects his real life. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr knows he's an amazing actor. Uh but yeah. he wasn't allowed to show it for a little while. Um had a lot yeah. of hardship. I think he had trouble just pulling it out even. He knows he's but the let's shit. talk about Shane Black because Please. I this is what I would love more Marvel and cinematic universes in general to do. Do that MCO is sort of done and it's mostly worked. And I want them to just just do this. Just get filmmakers who have a specific vision, who have their own style already. Mm-hmm. Because this movie takes place to Christmas, and that means yep. Shane Black is here. <laughs> it's part of it's 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 a it's the last great Shane Black movie. I, I didn't love I didn't hate the nice guys, didn't love it, and I really oh, didn't like the Predator. The nice but Shane Black had secretly before the world never didn't cut didn't catch on for twenty years that every mo- movie he wrote was set at Christmas. Yep, from Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and goddamn uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, just. Wonderful films, all wonderful. Yeah, and films. so I, you know, I I like when they have someone who has 
something of a style that can mesh in here pretty well. And that can be hit or miss. You know, I mean, it worked great with uh, Taika Waititi in Ragnarok. Didn't work so well in Love and Thunder. Mm -hmm. I don't know what went wrong there. And that just kind of proves my point of it turns out with Marvel movies is the third one is generally the best one. It's very strange. Because I think I think this is probably the best Iron Man movie. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think Winter Soldier is probably the best Captain America movie, but Civil War is damn good. Civil so. War is is also Avengers 2. It, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's another Avengers well, Civil story. War is the Avengers 2 we wish we would have had instead of Age of Ultron. I, I, I mean, I, I'm big Age, Age of Ultron. I don't mean to say that, but like that involves fucking everybody. It's not a story about one character, whereas this yeah. like kind of rather boldly is. In a way, I, I, I don't think there's anybody of Downey Jr.'s RDJ's magnitude to stake a movie like that on if Marvel was interested in doing that again, which I don't think they are. Yeah, and like, I, I do feel like it does feel more standalone mm -hmm. than most of the movies that we get through. You know, what are we in phase? This is phase two. This is the beginning of phase two. This is the beginning. Yeah. Of, I can't, I can't know, keep tripping phases. I don't it care. Is. What I heard before he died is that they were really wanting Chadwick uh, to be mm. the new Iron Man for phase four. Mm. Like that Ooh. was their plan. They were going to have him be the overarching character uh that goes in and out, and when he mm. passed, it apparently threw even a lot more of plans fucking depressing. Because like I, I don't know yeah. of anybody who could be a like a Robert Downey Jr. type that they have cast so far. Who would you want to see? Calling this kid a pussy for missing his dad is just hysterical and feels like doesn't belong in the movie, but it's just let's, so let's good. talk about how that could never be done in a Marvel movie in 2023. Agreed? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Would they have a yeah. scene where their hero calls a kid a pussy for missing his dad? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> as, as Shane Black had to fight for Robert Downey Jr. to be in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Junior Robert Downey Jr. really went to bat to get Shane Black to do this against mm -hmm. Marvel's wishes. And maybe that's yeah. why it feels like this is a Shane Black movie amid, amid the Marvel Universe, carries the story the, through. Mm -hmm. The Marvel movies were never edgy, mm -hmm. but I feel they got so toned down yeah, over the yeah. last 10 years. Like, they just were not willing to do anything but quip after quip after quip you know they weren't willing to be mean at times yeah yeah well and i appreciate it. yeah this movie is about trauma and ptsd and trying to figure out who you are after a, a life-altering event and and that, that, that tony's had the arc of like he didn't and, care about anything when he started in the movie right i love the way this movie starts with fucking eiffel 65 now this is like it shows him he doesn't give a fuck about anybody at all. Mm -hmm. Like he can be a real yeah. callous dick and, and juxtaposed with now he does. Now he has yeah. something that he cares about. And 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 again, one of the things that I felt was great about <clears throat> excuse me, was great about Iron Man 2 that wasn't fully developed is it's Tony Stark versus a version of Tony Stark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where I mean the Mandarin is there, technically, but really his problem is the realization it's like okay well i can be a billionaire philanthropist inventor genius motherfucker and get away with things but maybe they're not the best thing to have just running loose with superpowers melting shit and all that i guess my biggest complaint is that they just sort of undo everything at the end i mean yeah he blows up all the iron mans which right. that doesn't take gwyneth paltrow kind of gets superpowers and that doesn't <laughs> i was like <laughs> ah let her have superpowers come on she, she will just melt she pops people. up as rescue. Oh, yeah. 
I don't. I, I I thought this is man. I wish they would make more films like that. Like not. And I understand their dilemma. Where like nobody, even I struggled after Endgame and all the new shows, Wandavision, and like where's this? Where's this going? I'm like, why can't you just enjoy what it is? And I think right. The, where it's going is this individual character yeah. is solving some problem that they're facing. That's what Iron Man 3 did. Iron Man 3 didn't set up Thanos in the slightest, yeah. right? No. So, no, it's a character overcoming something. You can still do that, Disney. Um, sorry, I got to piggyback. The kid, how easy would it have been to fuck that up? Yeah, I guess. That kid yeah. could have been a Jar Jar. That kid could have been the <laughs> annoying little marketable character, you know, wearing a t-shirt that says target demographic on it. And he could have just <laughs> been a horrible part of the movie, but he works. Yeah. He works perfectly. He's not in it too long. Tony Stark is, uh, Tony Stark is snarky you enough to him. It Snark. works. And and, yeah. And, and, and yeah, the kid, I love, I'm sure it's been pointed out to everybody who gives a shit, but like, he's the guy you don't recognize in the end game funeral sequence because he's yeah. six years older and he's standing there like, who the fuck was, who'd that guy play? This, this little kid, yeah, this, little kid. This, this little kid. Uh, that's why he's standing there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was kind of floored cause I haven't watched this in a while. It didn't feel like it'd been 10 years, but, um, I always remember the story well, but just how elegantly it's done. And the thing you hear people complaining about, about the Marvel machine, how like, mm -hmm. It's all about the roadmap. It's not really about the individual moments. And this this film not only hard, like really like focuses on the individual moments. Um, it is also one of those weird before Mar Marvel codified that green screen style. There are some interesting set pieces on real sets and the stunt sequence in the plane in particular, like that's Ooh. a real thing yeah. that yeah. like, doesn't that look like, scene yeah, it doesn't look like mo happen. modern Marvel action sequences. Cause it's fucking real. It, it is, it is absolutely mm. real. It's occurring in camera and it, it, it's a crazy sequence. Mm. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic on the MCU right now because too. I have not enjoyed phase four. If you have great, like what you like. It's not been good for me. One or two films I've enjoyed. Most of it, I've been like, well, this is a bit of a letdown. And maybe I just need to rewatch phase one and phase two, you know, which yeah. I guess I'm gonna. But mm -hmm. um, JR, I watch yeah, these movies all the time. And I have some issues with phase four. But I think ultimately it's pretty okay. Like my, my biggest bummer is, you know, Black Panther 2 because it's like, well, you can't help what happened with that movie. <laughs> like mm. they uh, should have recast. I am firmly on the point. His of family point. said they should have recast. Uh, I, I, there have been multiple Bonds. There have been multiple Batmans. He, the Black Panther character, is so important to a number of fans who never see themselves on screen, mm. and to take that character away instead of recasting was a I bad decision. I still admire what they did in that movie, but it does highlight a lot of Marvel's problems. I would not put that pressure on any actor. Right. Well, but also like... It would be so tough. They're going forward Again, with the Black Panther Batman. 2 without Black Panther. Spider-Man. Anyway, anyway, but, but like, mm -hmm. again, Ant-Man, Quantumania, that's like, to me, the doldrums. That's what mm -hmm. looks like when like, you don't care anymore about individual movies. Or individual characters I, I, and moments. 
1993 JR would slap me if I told him <laughs> there are three to four big budget, huge, photorealistic Marvel live action films that you haven't bothered to watch because they don't seem good. Smack. <laughs> I'm not there. I mean, I, I was home. trying to get the bootleg copies of the Fantastic Four, for Christ's sake. I watched every one <laughs> I could in theaters except for the Eternals, which I couldn't. Um, except uh, everyone in theaters, even if I was alone, I'm still the Marvel fan altogether. But I, I do feel like we're missing something if we don't get more f films like Iron Man three. Because when I when I'm the most impressed with the MCU, it's when they're like comics, and comics aren't always the Infinity Gauntlet. That's not what's important. You don't always have to be reiterating that there's a big bad and a world-ending event afoot. What's interesting is what happens when these characters go home alone. And um, like Hawkeye is such a big deal. If you didn't read that Hawkeye comic, it's fucking hysterical. Like what no one's favorite Avenger does when, he, when he's <laughs> off of work. It's really funny. And they adapted some of that in the show and made it quirky and almost work entirely, but not entirely. My but, I like this. Actually, the, the Hawkeye shows might be the thing that I like the most lately. Yeah. I, I guess I like Multiverse of Madness. I think there's some I, I have. Like Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe, Diana, you like Christmas because that's the only, other than Guardians oh, Holiday yeah, Special, that's the other Christmas setting. <laughs> and I, I love that about it too. It's it's rooted in Christmas. And, and Shane Black said he always does that because that's where everybody feels a little more alone even when you're or at least put upon. Mm. Um, like there, there is a sense of ennui for fucking everybody uh, around the holidays. Things aren't normal. And, and yep. I, I fucking, sorry, I, I'll stop going off, but like the practical effects, the charm of Robert Downey Jr., which has not been mm -hmm. replaced like at all. No. Like no one has that yet. It's not just that he's the figurehead of the Marvel Universe. It's the charm allowing someone to be themselves in it. it play around and improvise a little bit. That's why people found superhero roles appealing because they got to Jack Nicholson it up. And uh, <laughs> Marvel, I don't think is letting people do that to, to uh, any great extent anymore. And uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is an inimitable talent. And I, I just, even I haven't found a lot of love for him outside the MCU. And I did beforehand. So I want to find it again. I like the Sherlock Holmes movies. Oh, I think they're awful. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wouldn't watch they're Doolittle. Fine. I wouldn't they're watch fun. Doolittle if I was paid, but, uh, but yeah, I, I want him to choose more interesting work as well. But, uh, yeah, Iron Man three made me weirdly nostalgic for something. I didn't know I was ready to be nostalgic for a smaller, <laughs> more focused Marvel film. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting that we have these two gigantic comic book movies. You know, one that has to deal with the sprawling cast and give everyone yeah. something to do, and one that's about bringing it down to how to, how to just have the guy and yeah. his problems. Yeah, we're, we're literally talking about two of the best of I mean, the genre, PTSD, and, and it's interesting that they are so different. He's returning yeah. from war and trying to figure out how his life works after this, and still. Yeah yet the war comes to him now. So as, what I'm hearing is light recommend. Oh, I love, I love, I, I think it's, it's the, I, I will maintain it's the best Marvel solo film uh, that there is. I think it's awesome. I think it's uh, one of the best Marvel phase two films. I'm, I'm not sure phase what three? we top it. Um, is it the opening? I think it's the opening of phase three. Two. Is Isn't it two? 
Oh no, it is two. That's right. It's the first. Yeah, it's the well, first, it's the first one post Avengers. Yeah. Right. Um, feels weird to have the third one right in the beginning like that. Uh, yeah. But you know, you know where we started. Iron Man two is the third episode of Phase two. Uh, moving on to television of twenty thirteen. I I should make a spreadsheet, but I'm not going to. I don't care. I want to take these movies on their own as they are. Yeah. I don't like being told, oh, no, it'll all make sense later. No. Then you're wasting my time. And again, like the new Ant-Man only like does the worst things I've seen done with any Marvel characters in order to establish who's going to be important six years from now. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Um, But moving on to television, uh, 2013, April 28th through May 4th. I love this story and I wanted to find out everything and nobody cared enough to write about it. Nope. Because these fans of this are not geeks Mm -hmm. on the internet more than is healthy for them. They had no, that's what you really need. I'm not sure they had any idea. They, their shows came back Uh, after two years of, uh, of being off the air canceled by ABC, ABC, licenses it's a weird agreement to put all my children in one life to live back on the air on the website the online network try to go there now it's a park domain it doesn't exist never heard of it uh there are about i I thought i saw 40 episodes produced which is not insubstantial even though they're soap operas that is 40 hours of entertainment that is kind of lost no no no. i think i think they hit hulu around the same time yeah, I mean, most soap operas are lost to time, mm-hmm. okay? There are, what, uh, 10,000 hours of General Hospital? It's you true. can't watch all of those. And there's t- 10,000 hours of All My Children, I believe. Yeah, they, they, they all have 10,000 hours. I am amazed by the technical side of soap operas, okay? Mm-hmm. You shoot 60 pages a day. Movies, you're lucky if you shoot two pages a day, and you're doing 60 so, yeah, that's why all the acting and camera work is so basic. Can you imagine receiving a 60-page script in the morning, yep. having 30 minutes to memorize your lines, you know, the, the, then having to do it overwhelmingly in one take? Granted, I didn't seek it out, but the best look I've seen of that, you remember the show Dave Attell's Insomniac, where he'd do a set, yeah. and then he'd the rest of his show was trying to find stuff to do after, like, 10.30? And when he's in New York, he goes to the set of a soap opera and he shows like these people are working and making sets at like 2.30, 3.30 in the morning because the shoot starts at 5.30 a.m. <laughs> and this shit rolls <laughs> real fast. And I just remember it's like, oh, that wasn't a real bathroom? Get him up. I'm sorry. Like, uh, like, <laughs> like <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Uh, but that, but that's... I, I l- looked it up. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, General Hospital used to receive... 14 million viewers an episode. Wow. And for special event episodes, 30 million. Oh my God. Outside of the Super Bowl, nothing does that. Mm -mm. Nothing. Nope. And this was 14 million every single day, five days a week. It's pretty astonishing. I I remember, like, we, I, I don't, my friend's next door neighbor, she had two grown Doberman pinchers that were really nice and fun. And we would just like run with them every day while she would watch the tapes of her stories. So for <laughs> two hours, we'd play with these massive dogs that should have mauled us to death. But, that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but also to show you how times they are a change in. Inside Amy Schumer debuts on Comedy Central. Um, yeah. 
I don't get why she gets shit. I think she is hilarious. And uh. <laughs> she said, one of the, my favorite episodes of the show is a 12 Angry Men show where they deliberate <laughs> whether she's pretty enough to be here on her own television show in that black and white. So <laughs> good. And they get so many good actors. And man, I've seen 12 Angry Men a bunch of times. They put in the work. Uh, yeah. They got a lot of good actors for this show. Uh, one of my favorite clips, they have Julia Louise Dreyfus, <laughs> yes. Tina Fey, Patricia Arquette, and Gemini Kirk all appearing as themselves. In Last Fuckable Day? Last Fuckable <laughs> Day, yeah. I, you want to, I'll play the clip, even though it's not from this episode. I'll allow it. And was more surprising me that they let me stay fuckable throughout my 40s and the fact that it continued into my 50s. This was just like, mm -hmm. thanks, but <laughs> I thought that Us Weekly had made some sort of a clerical error or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell me about it. If you shoot a sex scene the night before your birthday, everyone is like, hurry up, hurry up. We got to get it before midnight because they think your vagina is going to turn into a hermit crab. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tina Fey. Uh, what a ludicrous proposition that that was. Julie Weiss drives last fuckable day. We have not seen that day yet. I say that as a single man and would like to talk to her. Um, but but what I what yeah, I think no people people give her shit because uh, she talks about a lot of dirty stuff, a lot of sex yeah. stuff she, from a feminist point of view. She's a bigger girl, and uh, men are pigs. Yes, men are pigs. Pigs. I love this show. They are pigs, and I'll say this as a pig: anybody criticizing her and her looks, you would be lucky. If Amy Schumer ever <laughs> fucked you, like that would be your ten on uh, any of those fucking critics, and yeah. she and I think she's funny, and I think the show is great. What I think is is strange. It's what do you call it? It's our generation's. This show is back. <laughs> is anybody like she hosted SNL to promote the new season of the show on Paramount Plus? I've heard. I am learning nobody... about it now say a fucking I word about her. it i think she's great and we hear a lot about shows being resurrected from 20 years ago and this and that or she her show was never canceled she had an open order to like come back and uh do the show when she felt like it and she you know wow. she went out she got married she had a kid she did some other stuff and then decided to come back and do the show on paramount plus that is there are 10 new episodes of the show i've heard not one thing in the universe i think that's not, nah. No bearing on Amy Schumer uh, or inside, but that this show, Chappelle show returned. I feel like people would talk about it and they didn't. And it's like, it's, I watched the first couple of episodes. It's funny. It just doesn't, it didn't seem like water cooler. And because of the nature of Paramount mm. Plus, they don't want you to share fucking clips of it. They want you to go to Paramount yeah. Plus. That's... Well, I mean, it, it, Inside Amy Schumer sometimes could be tough as a water cooler thing, but maybe as a with your best friend thing, because well, it well. can it can get so. I mean, the very first episode is about her auditioning for Two Girls, One Cup. <laughs> yeah. P play this song and tell me if you talk about that in a workplace where you didn't want to get fired. I see fired. what you're saying. I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob from accounting, uh, it was so funny. She was talking about her butt, you know, like in rap videos with all those rap videos. And, and she mentions how they poop from there. Yeah. And she kept going on and on about how you poop from your butt. Oh, this joke is so funny. I should tell HR. You're right. My, my favorite sketch of the show still, and not for the feminist reasons, 
because Amy Schumer's barely in it. It's Josh Watts' nuts from Sports Night coaching a football team who keeps oh. underlining no oh. rape on the dry erase board. Amy Schumer plays the wife whose wine glass gets bigger every time you see her. <laughs> that to me is so fucking hysterical. Uh, I've watched that sketch a billion times on YouTube, but I, I really like your eyes, only- full hearts, no rape, no rape. <laughs> and, 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 and but here's the other thing I was gonna bring up. Can anybody name a Comedy Central hit that has occurred? I, th- I think Broad City occurred. What is another Comedy Central hit that has occurred in that period? I can name a couple shows. I don't know if anybody's seen Nora from Queens uh, mm-hmm. or uh, shit, Corporate. They canceled most of their stuff. And I don't even know what over-the-air channels do anymore because all their new programming went to streaming services. Um, but I feel like this is the last... Comedy Central, like real juggernaut, and it's ten years ago. Mm. Ten well, years ago, The Office is really popular. That's true. You can watch The Office, and you can run a lot of The Office and South and it Park. It will always get my attention. They run like eighteen hours of South Park a day on on Comedy Central. <laughs> over, like they used to be afraid to run South Park after eleven o'clock, and now you can run it for breakfast. Mm. Uh, but Let's yeah. See. Keel and Peel. Key and Peel. That was sure. 2012 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Amy Schumer's afterwards. Mm-hmm. And 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 I yeah, it I, I feel like I grew up as a Comedy Central nerd. Everything they put out, I watched over and over again. And I worry about them sometimes. <laughs> the same way I no. yell about MTV being like, What is your identity? And the Comedy Central identity seems to be the office in South Park. And like South mm-hmm. Park makes six new episodes a year, and the rest of it doesn't air on your <laughs> network. Uh, weird. But they've been running the new Beavis and Buttheads from Paramount That's Plus, true. which has made me very happy that I don't have to either get Paramount Plus or steal them. Which Comedy Central greenlit. Like, that was uh, supposed to be a Comedy Central show. They threw it to make the streaming more attractive. Damn it. No. Mm. Stop it. Yeah. New Dari was supposed to be coming there. New Ren and Stimpy. Let's see if it even happens. Uh, another yeah. episode people right rem- might remember. I know I don't, having not watched the series. Uh, How I Met Your Mother, The Bro Mitzvah. Uh, this is the episode where Barney gets married and his whole shtick is that he lives every day to its fullest. He always tr- does the crazy stuff. So they're like, well, how do you throw a bachelor party for someone who basically lives a bachelor party every day? And they decide that the only interesting they could do is make it his worst day ever. <laughs> so they hire a stripper, but the stripper they hire is his ex-girlfriend. and uh they get uh the karate kid to uh peer for him but it's not the karate kid barney's whole shtick and i really think this is why we got cobra kai is that the uh hero of the karate kid is actually the villain and you can hear him in this clip. Mm. Oh, you didn't really get everything on the list. No, no offense to Ralph Macchio, but he ain't the Karate Kid. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, they almost didn't get me. But after 18 voicemails, I returned Robin's call. And she told me, and you're one of the few people in the world who truly gets the Karate Kid movie. 
so when she asked if I'd help. Well, my answer just had to be. William Zabka. It's William Zabka. This is why we have Cobra Kai, people. You cannot convince me otherwise. I hate how interesting the first couple seasons of that show are. Where, yeah, oh, my guy so who's, good. life sucks. She stole no my girlfriend and shut down this small Vietnam vet's business as a result of being good at karate. You're a monster, Danny. Uh, and uh, I, I did, I, I think, oh, I want to throw really it in just cool. because it was on here before. But it's not a great last episode. But uh, Happy Endings is a show I discovered through this show and mm. hadn't seen all the third season and watched the third season. It's the last episode airs this week on, was it ABC? Which is, mm. it still works really fucking well. But as a very non-ABC show, very dirty. I just, what was it? Like... Oh, you went out with a hockey player last night. Did he get in your penalty box? And she keeps making like <laughs> puns and she's like, shut up with the puns. Like, did you puck? Like, how did that get on ABC? <laughs> How'd that get on ABC? That was <laughs> fine. Uh, also my favorite, what was, uh, telling your therapist, I even told you about my touchy uncle. He didn't molest me, but he was very easily offended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a very fun show that I think s- served real well in streaming. And that ends this week yep. with Alex and Dave breaking up, setting in f- as forth the status quo of the first episode, which is very weird. But they're like, yeah, it's funnier when Dave dates. I saw the creator say. But anyway, <laughs> uh, also this week, Community Heroic Origins, um, that episode. S- so this is the episode where Abed reveals they're in a bit of an unbreakable situation where they were all destined to get together and they kind of deflate that bubble at the end. But it depends on how you take this episode. If you take this episode on a meta level as like mocking prequels, mm-hmm. I think it completely works because uh, there's a scene where magnitude is next to two balloons and he jerks pop? back and he pops them and he goes, pop up, mm-hmm. pop, pop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and a bunch of stupid stuff like that. But I, I think it, if you keep in mind that this is the penultimate episode before they think the series is ending forever, ever, I think it's a nice little bow. Yeah. a woman's right to use her body however she chooses. I can honestly say that right is very important to me. Oh. Excuse me, Mr. Lawyer, can we get a You're a hero. Hi. Hi. Guys, we have got to capitalize on this momentum. It is time Anarchist finally takes a stand on animals' rights. There is a medical lab in an office building nearby. Next week, I said we break in there. We... we were thinking this is our last hurrah. But this is our first hurrah. We're just getting going. Britta, we're done. I had a hamburger the other day, and suddenly I'm not cold all the time. Fine. <laughs> Go. I don't need you. I like that line. Oh, oh I hate how Yeah, we find out. Yeah, Brit- Britta has always been an activist and an anarchist, even though we found out a couple episodes ago, episodes ago in the puppet show, she's never voted. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. That's a thing. I know people like that. Boo this woman. Boo. Boo Uh, the writers for doing that to her. Boo. And then uh, video games of 2013, a big one, uh, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. This is like the most 80s movie that 
has ever been turned into a video game. It feels like I could game. almost get Diana to play this based on mm-hmm. Far Cry 3 is always a serious... Far Cry 3 was a serious game set in the jungle with serious situations. Nacho from Breaking uh, Breaking or Better Call Saul is the main villain. Okay. Uh, and then Far but Cry 3 Blood l- Dragon was... Listen to was... this ad, Diana. <laughs> Tell me if this ad intrigues you. Keep in mind it's come out in 2013. Welcome to the future. The year is 2007. Nuclear war has nearly destroyed our planet. Now, an evil presence seeks to enslave what's left of humanity. And there's only one thing that can stop it. Nobody threatens my planet. Michael Bean is Sergeant Rex Power Colt. Yeah, Michael Bean... (laughs) But like all these gruff '80s catchphrases, this some of the soundtrack is from Miami Connection. What? Yeah, like it it really like. Ultimately, it's like too polished a game to like be super '80. Too polished a modern game to be super '80s, but it really does throw in a lot of old game nostalgia and old movie nostalgia for something you can kind of play anytime. And again, set in the far future of 2007. (laughs) Um, And that about wraps up the show. Uh, You can find out more at patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks. We'll give you more shows. You can help us keep going. We want to make it to our 10th season. And then hopefully the world will be ended (laughs) by that point, especially if you're not voting. I'm looking at you Floridians. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Video Game Apocalypse this week. Got my hands on Jedi Survivor. I'm going to bounce right from that. Into playing the new Star Wars game. My life sucks. Um, but <laughs> patreon.com slash later time. Give us five bucks. Extra shows. Uh, Adam, I know from Paducan, just got back from Disney World and is hankering to do some more Star Wars. Sick of Star Wars. Chief among them. <coughs> that and die. where can folks find you? They can find me on the Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, the 302010 podcast for now, if Twitter keeps working. I don't know if it will. <laughs> Coming up next week, oh, let's see, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to reach out for that green light that's just across the bay at the end of his thing. Also, literally one of the worst animated films of all time in the most very, very literal sense Ooh, okay. oh sweet Ooh, jesus i can't wait to, to come into the fence of it <laughs> no and then for my money my favorite christopher guest film Ooh, oh oh because it's got oh. songs in it <laughs> yes unlike other christopher guest films yeah well i mean most of them have songs in it but i yeah I, you think it would be best in show because i love dogs so much but i think this is my favorite christopher guest movie totally with we're you. going to talk about and if that weren't enough we just talked about the presidents what if someone replaced the president with kevin klein oh no Uh, i don't know i'd vote for him yeah me too doesn't matter what and kevin i'd vote for kevin klein from fish called wanda uh, president. <laughs> My opponent so is an asshole. That is so close to being Donald Trump. How yeah. did you do that? I love it. He won't admit to losing the Vietnam War. Yep. <laughs> it was a tie. It was a tie. <laughs> uh, and if that was not enough, mm-hmm. Sam makes his final leap, but not to home. Boo! Boo that oh, ending. Oh, boo! Might have a resolved ending. You might need to look into. Uh, pretty sure he figures into the new show. 
Uh, I heard he hasn't appeared yet, but I'll look mm. into it. Okay. Um, we also have the first appearance of a guy who lives in a van down by the river. Oh, blowing out the mics. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was worth it. Uh, okay. Uh, as I said, the gas leak year is over because this was the penultimate episode, which does not mean the last episode, people. It means the second to the last. Mm -hmm. So we have the last episode of the gas leak year, and we have the introduction of a video game which holds the world record for players play spending over $300,000 to fight a single battle. I don't even know what this is. What? I can't wait to find out. Oh, God, I saw it. There. Yeah, now I know. Huh. <laughs> now I know. Uh, intrigued. Yeah, so much real-world money spent over... Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, uh, die who died during this period of 30, 2010? Well, let's see... 1993, we lost guitarist Mick Ronson, who is only 46. Fuck you, liver cancer. Mm. Um, kind of like how I was saying, the Stooges only had a couple albums, but they're super influential. Mick Ronson is really influential, and people don't know his name enough. You like any David Bowie, like from the best David Bowie years? Mm -hmm. Mick Ronson's his lead guitarist. Mm. He's fucking rad. And I did not realize he was born and raised a Mormon his whole life. He's the rockinest Mormon that ever fucking lived. Mormon fronted spiders from Mars, everybody. Wow. Did not know that. Uh, also, in 1993, we lost Julio Gallo, who was 83. Uh, he drove off the road and died because he was 83 and maybe shouldn't have been driving around mm. on his massive winery property that he owned with his brother. Er the, the wine sellers of Ernest and Julio Gallo make, I don't know, a couple 80 jillion dollars a I year. I feel less bad. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, no, they were bought in 2019 for $1.7 billion. Ooh, that's yeah. a jam they, amount um, of money. Oh. Yeah, they, they are a very large wine company that has all kinds of different labels. And then in 2003, we lost George Wiley, who was 87. He wrote the Gilligan's Island theme. Mm. And well, also, see. the most wonderful time of the year. So he has two songs that get crammed in your head, and then they won't fucking leave. Can I, can I do something that will never leave? Please. What? Are you familiar with some of the works of Emily Dickinson? I am. Because I could not could stop, not for, stop death. for death. He kindly stopped for, stop me. for me. <laughs> the carriage held but just ourselves at immortality. immortality. <laughs> we slowly drove. We knew no haste. I had to put away my labor and my leisure too for his civility. His civility. We passed the school where children strove at recess in the ring. We passed the fields of gazing grain. We passed the setting sun. <laughs> I am smart enough to get going. all these references. I get it. It's funny. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad someone else has heard about that. <laughs> yeah. It blew my mind. And uh, yeah. in high school... I shot my hand up like a lightning bolt when the teacher asked for volunteers to read Emily Dickinson's <laughs> because I could not stop for death because I knew about that. And I wanted to see how far along I could get in reading it in the style of Gilligan's Island before everyone was just cracking up. The teacher was not amused. I can tell. <laughs> I can see why. Well, with that out of the way, what happens now, GR? It's time for the... the 
birthday quiz. Turning 90 years old. <gasps> oh. Still with us. Uh-oh. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Born not Harry April 20. Um, nope. No. Born <laughs> April 29th, 1933 in Abbott, Texas. Uh, he traces his genealogy to American Revolutionary War her- heroes. And who? Be more specific from someone from Texas. Uh, his parents moved from texas to arkansas in 1929 to look for work his grandfather worked as a blacksmith and his father was a mechanic you work as a blacksmith in the 1940s yeah we had wheels what the hell (laughs) so he has produced over 150 albums oh Wow. I'm not going to name them. Instead, I'm going to start out by naming the movies he has appeared in. Oh, I was going to say Sam Phillips? Nope. Damn. Okay. Not sure he's still alive. (laughs) Wag the Dog, Gone Fishing, Stagecoach with Johnny Cash, Half Baked, Beer Fest. Yes, Willie Nelson. (laughs) Willie's 90? 90 150 yeah. albums and still with us uh, other what. films dukes of hazard swing vote miami vice uh the tv show uh nash bridges simpsons monk uh dr quinn medicine woman king of the hill and space ghost coast to coast if you've been listening His a long time five... every year i predict he will be the big celebrity death and it never happens <laughs> he'll outlive you chris i think weed yeah. is now like jesus christ marijuana as a prescription should mean a whole lot more coming from someone like willie nelson doesn't look like yep. he eats a lot yeah that's true he's kind of skinny for such a stoner but i mean snoop yeah. dogg has said it's the only man who can outsmoke him he, he hung uh, out with willie can... and there was a point where he was like i'm fucking done stop right. <laughs> Wow, that that should really be a televised special at this point. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, we should <laughs> a pay per view. Doesn't even have to be a contest though. Willie Nelson, Snoop Dogg, get high and talk. Yeah, first one to, to fall asleep loses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can be in futons. They just lie down. Yeah, so comfy. Anything else? Might up? take a while. Might be a live stream. Uh, top albums by sales Stardust, Always on My Mind Greatest mm. Hits uh, Waylon and Willie and The Outlaws mm. Mm. I knew one of the songs Nice of those. Um, yep. Yes uh, Happy birthday Willie Nelson Jesus Christ Yeah. Um, He's one of those guys that's like I, I, I could just listen to any random Willie Nelson song And I'm pretty happy about it Yeah I'm pissed I, I've had several opportunities to see him, see him live And I haven't done it And I'm not going to let that happen again Because he mm. tours around me all the time Is he still touring at 90? He was pre-pandemic I don't mm. know if that's still the case But uh, I thought he was He was somewhere around where I am now uh, within the last year. Damn. And his tickets are inexpensive. And like, you know, like I swear half the venues he's plays, like you get in free for like going to a water park. So just, just go see <laughs> Willie Nelson one time, just to say that you did. It's, it it uh, might be one I, of the most pleasant voices in mod in like the mu- music. Yeah. The last hundred years. Yeah. Literally no one else sounds like that. Yeah. His son. Just, that's he, like, he that's can hit it. It. a single note. And you're like, mm-hmm. yep, that's Willie. Mm-hmm. 
so pleasant. I have many songs of his I love. I love his rendition of Highwayman. Mm. Yeah. That one. That That's one. That's a good me. one. Do you want to go out with that? And I'll just I hold on do. to PJ Harvey for some other time. Yeah. 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 Highwaymen by uh, Willie Nelson will take us out. Patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, tell a friend about the show if you haven't already. Consider dropping us one to five dollars. That's all we ask. More if you're rich. If you got a great tax return, I know I didn't. Podcasting for a living. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Diana's floor's fucked up. We all need the money. Yeah, be- I like don't have a floor right now. Um, <laughs> they pulled it up. No, it was great. It was like archaeology where oh my floor's fucked up. You pull it up. What's under there? Is that concrete? But it's like all broken and stuff. Oh, I can just pull the concrete up. What's under there? I'm Tiles. Not- What's next? There's a fucking mosaic. And then under the mosaic, there's like a contraption. And then under that is Aztec gold. And <laughs> Stop it. We're begging for money here. Yeah. But then the, the Mexican government came and took it. Mm. And so now I have to get my floor fixed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Baby needs floor fixed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take us out, Willie. We'll see you next week. I was a highway man. Along the coach roads I did ride. Sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The master hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive